When getting the job done right is job one, you need construction equipment that's built right. From compact track loaders to the world's number one selling compact excavator, the Kubota construction lineup features durable Kubota engines, more comfort, and the versatility to do it all and do it right. Visit your local Kubota dealer today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Lee Tractor Company. On the web at LeeTractor.net. Radio side here. Uh, good to have you back, uh, Glenn. And uh, we had to open up the radio side for Bill WD-40 to enter the speaker rooms to lube us up for tonight's show. Bobby Farron, welcome to SOR Chat. Huckleberry Charles, good to see you. Margie O, United We Stand. Digger Dog, thank you for coming on in. Uh, Verpine, welcome back. Midwest Night Watchers, thank you for joining us. And uh, where are we here? Hmm. Doc from Wyoming, Wes H, Search and Destroy. Xanos, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for coming on in. We are caught up there. The Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And if you're new, hit subscribe. We are now on our way to 50,000 subscribers. We just hit... 20,000 last night. So if you haven't hit subscribe and rang that bell yet, we are here seven days a week for your listening ears. And that's where we love to be. And uh, yeah, Grant Cameron coming up right around the corner. Hi, Cliff Sai. How are you? And it's good to have you all here. We're going to have one hell of a show. Starts now. Horns up. Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We have a power show for you tonight. Grant Cameron is in to talk about there is no threat narrative when it comes to UFOs. Then in hour three, we'll kick off with the Swamp Dweller. Super Duke will be back with the Cryptid Report. I've got the Dave 101, and we got the news as well. All right, let's get right to it. One of our favorite guests on this show, and one of my heroes and mentors in this field, is legendary researcher Grant Cameron. He started studying ufology in 1975 after a personal sighting with Charlie Redstar in Carmen, Manitoba, the home of the great goaltender, Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. In the past few years... Grant has turned his research and interest into different involvements from music to orbs. And of course, 
his legendary work with the presidents of the United States and what they know about UFOs and UFO craft and crash retrievals, aliens, you name it. Grant's website is Grant Cameron or pardon me, presidentialufos.com. And you can find all of his books on Amazon. Let's bring the legend in right now. There he is, the man, the myth, and the legend all wrapped into one, Mr. Grant Cameron. It is always a pleasure to have you here on Spaced Out Radio. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing fine, Dave. Thank you very much. At my age, I'm happy to uh, be anywhere and doing anything. Oh, come on. You're not that old. <laughs> You're not that old. You got to see yeah, the go. you got to see the Jets win the Stanley Cup before that happens. There you go. We're doing pretty good, eh? Not too bad. Not too I bad. I tell you, that just proves there's a god. It would take my Canucks and Oilers <laughs> combined to pass the Jets. I don't understand what's with my Oilers, man. I don't understand what's with them. I mean, we got yeah, the two of the best hockey players in the world, in Drysaitel and McDavid, and we've got a great uh, set of defensemen. And I, I don't believe it. I can't believe we well, are. It's, it's, I think it would still be worth, wouldn't you say it's still worth the, the price of admission to watch McDavid play? Oh, oh my goodness. That guy's unreal. You know what, Grant? <laughs> I'll tell you a Gretzky story here. In the old Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver, when the, when the boards were, you know, aren't what they are today, they weren't as forgiving. But there used to be a little opening between the glass and, oh, yeah. and the boards. So during warm-up, uh, I'm watching, I'm at the end of a line and I'm, I'm like seven years old and I'm watching uh, all the players, eight years old, and I'm watching all the, the players do warm up because I love Gretzky, I love Edmonton. And I'm like, oh my God, there's Yari Curry and there's Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe and all these guys that I just idolized. And Gretzky all of a sudden drops his gloves and starts signing autographs, taking the programs from underneath wow. the glass. I was the last one, and he skated away from me. He didn't. Oh no, he didn't see. (laughs) I was just heartbroken. Oh shit! But he scored three goals. He scored three goals that night. So (laughs) that's that's all that really matters. Hey, we could make this a hockey show very easily. Yeah, the Americans are wondering what the heck are they talking about here. Well, you know what? You know know what we're going to do one night, honestly, and I and I do plan on doing this. I want to bring you on, and I'm going to bring David Politis on, and we're just going to have a hockey chat. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. Grant, you have been at the forefront of so much research over the years. And and the one thing I've always admired about you is you let the path go to where it needs to go before you move on to the next section. A lot of you have taken a lot of criticism over the years from other ufologists and people who follow you. Why does Grant do that? Has he gone crazy? You know, why is he following orbs? Why is he talking to people who claim to have flown the craft? You know, why have you chosen your research to go down all of these different paths to investigate? Well, all these things are just things that synchronistically happen to me, and and you just sort of go with it. Where you sort of figure like, um, this is this is the way you got to go. Like I had the 2012 experience with the with the um, um, the consciousness, which I um, keep telling people that unless you've had one of these download experiences, you simply cannot understand what it is. It comes with this absolute certainty. And I remember I was listening to an interview that uh, Gary Nolan had done a couple of days ago, and he talked about this, about the intuition and knowing that it's right. And that's the hardest part to, for people to explain is is where you know, you absolutely know this. There's no questioning this. This is the way it works. And I've had two of those experiences in my life. I had the one in 2012, 
and that, I'll give you the idea how the how the book for uh, Skypilot started. And that was that in 2013, I was giving a lecture to the MUFON group, which is one of the biggest MUFON groups in the United States in Phoenix. And Stacy Wright runs it. And she said, oh, are you still going to talk to Pam Dupuy? And I said, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I had no idea what she's talking about. And I figured I must have agreed to talk to this woman. And what happened was she said, okay, Stacey, um, uh, Pam Dupuy is coming to my house on Monday. You can chat with her. And so Pam Dupuy comes to the house. And then Pam says, so what did Stacy tell you about me? And I said, I don't know. I'm supposed to talk to you. That's all. And she comes in and she starts, I was abducted and I remote view for the government and this and that. And you've heard all this sort of stuff. And she's talking away. And this is like almost 40 years into my career. And then she says at one point, she's in her 70s. And then at one point she says, she says to me, oh, and I was flying the craft last night. And I went, you are what? <laughs> so I was ready to throw her out of the house. I could not believe she had said it. It was like, come on. I mean, you, you think I'm that stupid? You're, I'm going to believe you. They'll let you fly the craft. I was thinking, you know, Saudi Arabian women at that point, they weren't allowed at that, at that point, they weren't allowed to uh, drive a car unless there was a man inside the car. And I, I was just, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I just, I said, they let you fly the craft. And she said, well, yeah, yeah, they flew the craft. And I said, they let you fly the flying saucer. Like, I mean, I was just, I was horrified. And then she said, yeah, yeah, I've flown three different models. And I go, yeah, come on. I said, so how do you fly a flying saucer? She says, oh, you do it with your mind. And as soon as I, as soon as she said that, I realized, oh, that's what it is. And what happened was you will not find these witnesses on the internet. You'll find the odd one. I think um, David Jacobs had one that he referenced in a, in a lecture um, and he thought it was a test that this woman was being given a test. She was just, they were just sort of playing with her. Uh, but you won't find this. These people started coming to me almost synchronistically. They would appear to me. And, and even at the very end, when we did the book, we, were, we got the book already. And then suddenly I'm talking to Desta and she said, Oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I was flying the craft too. And I said, you too, you were flying the craft too. Come on. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I told you that you didn't listen to me. And I said, you did tell me that? And she said, yeah, I told you that. And I said, well, we, are we, we got it in the book. We're going to put it in the book. Come on. And I was like, at the very end, she had told me this. And it was just like these people were coming, like Chris Bledsoe. I'm talking to him about something else. And then suddenly he mentions he's flying the craft. And I said, you flew the craft too? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, hang on. Don't, don't tell me anything. I want to phone you up on Skype and I want to record the whole thing. And uh, don't say anything. And, and basically what it was was these people just came to one after another. And the, the only thing that was really on the internet was the Free Foundation, which was uh, the big group that Edgar Mitchell and Ray Hernandez and all these people, they had 3,000 experiencers, and they questioned these people, and they asked them 650 questions, and all these very bizarre questions, and one of the questions was, have you ever flown the craft? And 14% of the people who answered the question said yes. So I actually went to Free, and I said, hey, uh, I've got these people are flying the craft. They said, uh, 14% of the people said in the survey, can we send out another survey, a secondary survey to these people who've flown the craft and ask them what's going on? And, and what I was told was, well, people see lots of stuff on the craft, you know, they, when they're on there. And I said, well, yeah, then you see lots of stuff on the craft. But when they start flying the thing, don't you think we should be talking to them? Because that's what everybody wants. So how do they get here? What's the propulsion system? And you have these people who are all basically telling you exactly what's going on and how it works. And, uh, and, uh, and Gary Nolan says one case is anecdotal, two cases is evidence. And I say 36 cases needs to be explored no matter what your impression is. I mean, this is, this is uh, what 
Jacques Vallée used to call absurd. This is an absolutely absurd question. This is not something you're going to make up if you're going to make up a story that you were you were on board a craft. Oh, I would, they let me fly the craft. Yeah, yeah, sure they did. And so I had these 36 people, and I and I just thought this was uh, so significant. In fact, I think it's maybe the most important book I've ever written because it basically gets down to this this confirmation of my 2012. Uh, consciousness download that that's what it describes it basically says consciousness is fundamental if you if if you take a look at this and you believe that these people are actually telling the story that's what they're saying they're saying it's all telepathic all the conversations are telepathic and they'll say that there's actually there's actually sort of a weird kind of a um a spiritual component, which I heard Jim Semivan talk about yesterday, and I never caught on. A, lot, a number of the people would say, when I'm standing on the ship, I just appear on the ship, and I'm standing there, and there's beings or there's humans behind me. I can't tell whether it's human beings or aliens behind me, and they tell me what to do. And last night, and then I'm listening to Jim Semivan a couple of days ago, and he said, he said in his experience, uh, he said, I remember standing there with my wife and he said there was this guardian thing going on behind me. And, and I'm thinking, wow, that's the same thing. That's this whole idea that that Michael Newton talked about. When you have the life review, you have your guardian angel and it stands behind you and, and to the left. And so when I when I when I got that, then I, it made sense that these people didn't they didn't look around to see who was giving them the instructions. And basically what it was and I had people I'll give you I had John Ramirez, who was the CIA guy, the top CIA guy. I had a guy who's a uh, um, former 747 United Airlines pilot. I had uh, Chris Blatz, who has a commercial pilot's license, and I had a guy out of um, L.A. who's probably the most dramatic case. Uh, I was lecturing to the L.A. LA um, uh, Orange County MUFON group, and uh, I was talking about flying the craft, and uh, this guy came after. He came to the to the restaurant after, and they said, David, David, oh, you should have been, been in Grant's lecture. He was talking about flying the craft. T- tell him your story. And then David looks at me, and he says, oh. I think I think it was a dream. I said, "Well, everybody thinks it's a dream. Most people think this is a dream." And I said, "Did you fly the craft?" And he said, "Well, I think it was a dream." I said, "Well, uh, anyways." Then then they said, "Hey, David, David, tell them what you do." And I said, "So what do you do?" And he said, "Oh, I'm a pilot." And I said, "Oh, my son's a pilot. My father's a pilot." I said, "What do you fly?" And he starts rattling off this stuff. He's flying this and that. And then he says, "F-16 jet fighters." And I go. You were flying F-16s? And he goes, yeah, I'm a retired U.S. Air Force colonel. I said, sit down and tell me your dream. <laughs> and it, it's it, and it's like they're reading off a cue card. Honest to God, it's like they're reading off a cue card. They're standing. They, they appear in the ship. They're standing in the ship. There's somebody behind them. They're telling them what to do. And he says, I'm standing there. And the, I hear this voice behind me. And it says, go ahead and do it. And he says, I don't know what to do. And then the voice says, you know what to do. Just do it. And he looks over. And there's this panel along the wall. So he goes and he puts his hands on this panel. And he says, and he says, suddenly he's flying the craft. And, and everybody says the same thing. You become one with the craft. The, the craft is alive, which is, is so important because if the craft is alive, this is artificial intelligence. This is what it's going to look like 5,000 years from now or 1,000 years from now. Everybody always has this idea that consciousness, what we're going to do, we're going to get this, we're going to get this big computer and we're going to get consciousness and we're going to grab it by the tail and, and we're going to stick the, the consciousness into the computer and then it's going to become, it's going to start to become, become conscious. And, and Max Planck, who invented quantum physics, said nothing gets behind consciousness. That is part of the download I got in 2017 that says consciousness is primary. Consciousness first, matter second. You have you have the observer who breaks down the quantum wave potential, and that makes matter come into into the the the, the world. And and so the idea is that that you're never going to have 
artificial intelligence until you have biological material. And one of the things I describe in the book is an experiment was done in 2004 at the University of Southern Florida that I'll guarantee you DARPA is working on uh, because this is white world technology. And that's where they take the 20,000 neurons of a rat brain and they take them out and they put them in this Petri dish, a little tiny Petri dish. And then they, 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 they describe they, they, oh, there's just these neurons floating around. And then after three days, the guy that's running it says, look at this. And he shows all these neurons are talking to each other. This little brain has started to form. Then they put wires on the bottom of this Petri dish and they learn to send signals in from a, a simulator for an F-22 Raptor fighter jet. And and they, they, the, the thing is sending signals back and they train this thing to fly an F-22 simulator. And I remember talking to uh, Major, um, he's a major in the U.S. Air Force um, his name is escaping me on the on the East Coast. And I said, is it hard to fly an F-22 simulator? And he said, absolutely. And so they teach it to fly. And then what they do is they take the weather and they make the worst weather and the wind and crosswinds and rain and all this kind of stuff. And the, and this little 20,000 neurons continues to fly the, the, the F-22 simulator. And that's, if you remember back the story, Firefox with uh, um, Clint Eastwood. Uh, Clint Eastwood. And that's the impression. That's where you get the idea. Oh, they knew already. They had this idea. That's how you fly it. You fly it with your mind. This whole idea that you're flying with your mind. So people say you put your hand on a panel, you put your hand on, on this, uh, 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 a ball you put it on a wall and you become one with the craft and whatever you think is what the craft does and then the people will actually say to you they'll say okay where do you want to go and the person will say like ron johnson i'd like to see the milky way from a distance they say okay it's within you imagine where you want to go it's within you it's like the remote viewing thing it's the, the the targets inside you you go inside you don't go anywhere and he says it's within you and and then he said in one second he said it was like they went through the he thought it was like they're going through the dimensions they're like pages of a book and he's going through in one second he said he looked out the window and there was the milky way in the distance and that simply is what gary nolan says when you're looking at stuff, you want to see the 5% anomalies. You want to see the stuff that's outside the bell curve. And you want to say, why does this work? You want to look at the anomalies. And this is an anomaly. If the physical world was what people say it is, this wouldn't have happened. If this story is true, and Ron Johnson is a very truthful guy. He told me this story, and that is true. There's something seriously wrong with our idea of time and space. If you can go 50,000 light years in one second. And so this this, seven, four, this uh, U.S. Air Force colonel told me, he says, I'm holding the, he's, I've got my hands on the panel. He said, I'm flying it. He said, it's like tw- suction cups on an F-16, whatever that means. And he says, I'm flying this thing. And he says, I can't believe it. I'm flying this craft. And he says, it's doing whatever I'm thinking to do. And, and then he says, I take one hand off the panel and he's waiting for the thing to stall and he's going to put his hand back down and and then it doesn't stall and then he takes his other hand off the panel by about one inch he's ready to slam it back down and nothing happens he's got his hands off the panel and he's flying this craft and everybody describes the same thing whereas they describe that once you touch the panel you can suddenly see in 360 degrees and that if you've ever talked to people who do obes will tell you as soon as they get out of their body they can see into 360 degrees and you start seeing these crossovers this consciousness thing that these people are able to do this and i'll guarantee you that darpa's working on it and, and it'll go to us and you can ask a question after this so you take a look at the wilson leak document in the wilson leak document it says we have a craft and we think it'll fly now they have this intact craft and they think it'll fly so what does that mean it means they got an intact craft and they can't fly it why can't they fly it 
because it needs a consciousness interface. It needs your little thumbprint on the on the on the iPhone to make it to make it turn on. It's the whole idea, and they don't have the consciousness interface. They can't turn the thing on, even though they've got the entire craft. So this consciousness thing. You've got 36 people and they all, it's like you're just reading off a cue card. In there, the person behind them tells them to touch the ball, whatever. They become one with the craft. The craft is alive. They can actually give the, the craft a name. They're talking to the craft. Uh, they can go wherever they want instantaneously. And it's all consciousness. It's all driven by the mind. They're, and everybody says exactly the same thing. All women and uh, high-level uh, CIA people, all basically like as if they're reading off a cue card, saying exactly the same thing. Grant, I met a 12-year-old girl who flew the the craft on my paranormal tour. Yeah. And, you know, like she said, she didn't know how she did it, but these little gray dudes put her in the seat, and the next thing she knew, everywhere she wanted to go, she could go. Yeah. And, you know, at 12 years old, that was uh, quite a trip for her. I mean, how many children out there are experiencing this incredible technology of this AI or or bio spacecraft, whatever you want to call it. Okay, well, I didn't have in the book, I don't have any of those, but I do describe the fact that that, that um, Pam Dupuis and um, a guy who used to help run the MUFON group in uh, uh, Phoenix both told me the same story, that they remember as children being in a circle, and they were in this circle with all these kids. They could see all these kids, and they could see some sort of being. They couldn't see from the waist up. They, they weren't allowed to look up. But what they were doing is they were teaching these kids to levitate balls. And there were three different colors of balls. And one was very hard to levitate. One was sort of medium. One was very easy to levitate. And they were being trained to levitate these balls. The same as there, you, you get this whole thing where Jim Semivan is talking about this thing that, that Milabs may be a, 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 an overlay. That we're being given this thing that, that Milabs are actually uh, them playing this game that that, that this is this is uh military when it's actually not and what they're describing i talked i talked to two that told me the same story they were both in the same uh milab experience and they talked about being taken on on board and they were being they were being told to levitate one of them is melinda leslie because it's pretty funny because the first lady told me that she had done it and they were told to levitate this this ball this little egg in through a hoop that was above the table and and she said that she did it and then melinda came in and she said i could hear melinda inside the room and melinda says are you kidding me i haven't slept for two days you think i'm gonna levitate that thing you got another thing coming <laughs> melinda's yelling at him and and, and they, they said they could actually see the people's names and the and the the the, the key thing was that Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Want to stop engine problems before they start? Pick up a can of Seafoam Motor Treatment. Seafoam helps engines start easier, run smoother, and last longer. Trusted by millions every day, Seafoam is safe and easy to use in any engine. Just pour it in your fuel tank. Make the proven choice with Seafoam. Available everywhere. Automotive products are sold. Seafoam! Melinda tells a story that 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 they're brought in and they're given pieces of the craft 
And if they can make the craft, this thing work, whatever the piece of the craft is, the person will say, oh, we got another one, which is another experience. This is another one can turn the craft on. And, and so the question is, is this actually military doing this? Because it appears everybody that I've talked to, all the high level people, they seem to indicate we have jump room technology but we don't, we, we, we cannot turn the craft on. We don't understand. Jim, uh, you have uh, Tom DeLong talking about the fact that the head scientist at Lockheed Skunk Works asked him how it worked. And at that point, he was hanging out with Greer. So he said, oh, I think consciousness is involved. This is 2015. And the head scientist said, now you're talking. And he said, that's all the guy wanted to talk about for 45 minutes. So all these guys like Semivan, uh, Valet, all, uh, you know, uh, all these guys will... Uh, can confirm the fact that consciousness is involved, but that we can't do it. Or you have this thing, the other bizarre thing that happens with these experiences is they'll say uh, that when they go inside the craft, it's way bigger on the inside than it is outside. And remember Hal Putoff saying, boy, that's something I'd like to figure out. Even Len Stringfield had a case from 1973. And I just learned about this one a couple of days ago where the, uh, uh, a photographer's flown in from uh, Hawaii to Norton Air Force Base. He's taken two hours away to a, a hangar. And inside this hangar, there's this uh, craft inside a netting hanging from a crane. And they, they, they go inside and his job is to fil- film the panels. So, and the panels, I actually have Chris Brazzo in the book, I have him draw the panels with the, with the different symbols on the panels. And this guy's job was to film, film these panels with the symbols on the panels. And he said he went in and he said you could take a football and you could throw it as hard as you want in any direction and not hit a wall. And I had one guy from New Zealand told me I was in. He said, I looked one way. I couldn't see the end of the craft. I looked the other way and I couldn't see the end of the craft, which goes back to Pam Dupuy when she first told me this story about flying the craft. And then she doubled it up with saying, oh, yeah, they have crafts that can make them as big as they want on the inside. And they have crafts as big as the solar system. The thing is, it can be the size of a rock. So the whole thing is, it can look like a rock on the outside. And it can be the biggest size of a solar system on the inside. And anybody that tells me they got the technology and make the craft like like uh, uh terry lovelace said he went inside it was the size of a football stadium on the inside of this thing and and that's the whole deal is is that there's no way we have this technology no way it's way beyond what we're what we were capable of doing all right grant cameron will be with us for another 90 minutes here on spaced out radio and when we return from our break here at the bottom of the hour we're going to talk about the threat narrative So much we've heard the last five years about UFOs being a threat. What if other countries are having differing opinions? We're going to find out all about this with the legendary Grant Cameron when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. We got five minutes, boss. Five minutes. Okay, good. I'm going to go get a drink of water. You do that. With his Winnipeg Jets hoodie there. Look at that. That that thing hasn't even seen a speck of dirt. There is not a single mosquito kill on that hoodie. Not a single one. All right, let's see who's here. I, I haven't said hello to yet. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hadley, how are you? Uh, and who else do we have here? Um, 
think I'm caught up. So we have 250 people watching right now. Uh, if this is your first time in our chat room or watching us, please, Apex, how are you? Please do us a favor, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell. We are pushing towards 50,000 subscribers. We're 30, just under 30,000 away. Yeah, 30,000. Ed Clayter, how you doing? But we are here seven days a week for your entertainment. So the reason why we do take breaks here, guys, uh, just so you know, is we have to time everything out with our radio stations who cover this show. And so at the top and bottom of the hour, there will be breaks. Uh, I know you're not used to it, but we're not a podcast. We're not just a regular YouTube channel. We try and combine all three. So uh, sometimes we're successful. Sometimes we're not. But the main thing is we have fun through it all uh, right now. So uh, let's say hello here to Blue Cruise. Welcome in. And Susie B. Donovan Davies in the UK. Good morning to you. Welcome to SOR Chat. Crypto Renegade. Welcome to SOR Chat. Ed Clater. Good to have you back. Super Duke. Super Duke. Hey, Marty Burback. How are you, man? Good to see you all. All right. Badass Billy Gunn. One half of the New Age Outlaws right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Want to say a big thank you to Maestro's Classic Beard Oil for sending me a gift pack. Really much appreciate that. Thank you, my wrestling uh, phenomena, the crazy hot Morgan, for doing so. Yeah. I would never mess with Morgan and her husband. I'll tell you why. If I met, went and messed with Morgan and her husband, they're like they're into like the these strong men and strong women competitions. I think her husband like bench presses like 700, 800 pounds, something like that. I'm not even exaggerating. Not even exaggerating. At least 700, 800 pounds. It's ridiculous watching them compete. It's oh. Navajo warrior. Yeah. Oh, it's it's uh ridiculous. Ridiculous seeing the size of this dude. He's like 300 pounds. 300 pounds. He lifts like 250 300 one-armed right above his head. It's horrible. How old? He's How old? over 50. Oh, wow. Yeah. Usually my my son was like that. My son was like Mr. Atlas. And then he stopped, uh, he had both, both shoulders separated. So oh my. he eventually had to stop lifting. And uh, now he's like uh, Mr. Fat Man. <laughs> well, he can join my club then. Uh, hi, Theologians of That's Orion. Project Blue Book, how you doing? Zenzabil, Kurt M., good to see you guys. Uh, Rose Brooks, that's Bill Hauser. Bill Hauser. Uh, who else is here? Trace B. Good to see you back. And uh, let's see here. Pony Pong. Welcome to SOR Chat. Do us a favor, too, if you don't mind. Give us a thumbs up, thumbs down. And after the show, uh, leave uh, leave something for the algorithms by leaving a comment after the show. We'd appreciate it. Uh, aliens, UFOs, and Spiritual Space Warfare. Welcome to SOR Chat wow. again. That's a name. Video Game Zombie. I like that name. Thank you for joining us. And let's see. We know that we got a lot of cool people in here tonight. So thank you. We got about 45 seconds before we're going to go back here. 
And we'll get right into it. <laughs> Has that hoodie ever seen outside, Grant? Be honest. <laughs> outside? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's way too nice. You know, that that's just uh, way too nice. All right. Uh, let's see. Cryptid Huntress. Hello, Jessica Jones. Brad Lomos, or Lomas, pardon me. Welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you to Pam and Dry Toast for the Super Chats. The Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. Hello, Constable D. Cohen. How are you? Uh, welcome back again, my friend. And I think we are caught up. Here we go, everyone. Second half hour of Space Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you, including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Legendary researcher, author, and man with aliens in his blood. Grant Cameron is here tonight on Spaced Out Radio. We're going to hit the main topic of the night tonight right now, Grant, because there is a number of stories going on, and we've heard it literally since the beginning of the To the Stars Academy in 2017, about this threat narrative of UFOs, UAP, whatever the hell you want to call them. We're going to call them UFOs around here because that's what people know, and that's what right people on. like. Okay. Right so the point that I'm getting at here, Grant, is this. You know, I can understand the idea of a threat narrative that if something that shouldn't be in the sky is in some sort of U.S. military training ground, whether it's near Catalina Island in the Pacific Ocean or whether it's on land at Area 51 or some other army or military base. But we haven't seen anything dangerous yet as far as we know. We've been told different stories that we should fear these things, that there is an alien threat, much like President uh, Ronald Reagan says right off the top of this show. What What is your opinion on this threat narrative? First, we have to we have to tell people not to get upset because people really get really upset when we start talking about this kind of stuff. And so I would say garbage. The universe is neutral. There is no good or bad people. It's. Um, I used to have this discussion with, I mean, there's so many things. I was going to write a book last year called The Evil Alien. I'm going to go through this whole thing. And then um, I usually don't travel to States because of uh, the Homeland Security situation. But then MUFON said, oh, can you lecture at their big event in Cincinnati? And I said, well, I don't really lecture in the States anymore. And then I said, oh, by the way, what's the topic? And she said, uh, the uh, good or evil. Are they good or evil? And I went. Put me down. I said, I've been thinking about this my whole life. I'm ready to go. And so I would say the universe is neutral. We are the ones that give it meaning. And so the, the now Jim Semivan is actually saying, 
oh no, we never said it to the stars that 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 it was a threat. Well, I can actually quote, uh, and I, I, I was thinking the other day, I'd actually pull it from the interview. I think it was with George Knapp, where Tom DeLong says, "Oh, this is a hive mentality. Uh, we have to kill them, or something to this effect." And so it they, they they were pushing this threat narrative, and I call it the the in the United States, it's the national national insecurity complex, uh, where uh, the more insecure you become, the more weapons you need, the more locks you need on your door. And so the U.S. military, uh, uh, you'll have Lou Elizondo say, well, it could. We're only looking at it is it could be a potential threat. Well, in, in terms of that, anything could be a potential threat to the U.S. military. If it's going to get a, a budget, we're going to, we'll make that into a threat. And he says, you know, well, what, what about the, you have footprints going through your living room? Well, if you talk to Melinda Leslie, maybe that's Lou Elizondo's footprints going through the living room. Maybe it's Milabs that are in your room and, and not aliens. And so this is what it is. It's, it's basically uh, uh, the threat narrative is coming from the military industrial complex and they'll even say, well, we know we don't really, it's, we're, we're not saying they're evil. We're just saying that there's a potential for evil and we have to identify this first. And what you do is you get the military to present this because if you were to go in front of Congress and they've tried to do this forever, I, I point out that during the, um, the Clinton administration, uh, Leslie Kane, as you know, was good friends with John Podesta and John wrote the forward to her book. And um, in there, if you go back to her and look at her book, she says, it's not a threat to the military. She says, it's a threat to airline traffic. And I guess they, they tried to put this, Podesta tried to put this to Congress and everybody just sort of laughed and went, yeah, right. And they just like, get out of the, get out of here. So what you have to do, it's like a business. You have to find a need and fill it. So what you do is you go in front of, as I, as I said, you go in front of the Armed Services Committee and you go in front of the Intelligence Committee. You don't go in front of the Science and Technology Committee. You go in front of the Armed Services and the, the Intelligence Committee because that's in terms of national security. And what you do is you say, Oh, we could get eaten here. This this could be really bad. And you 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 scare the living daylights out of these poor senators and congressmen who ha- don't know their you know have no clue what's going on. And of course, they say, okay, how much money do you need? I mean, you you build up this threat narrative and you put it out there. And and if they don't have the threat narrative, everybody's going to go like, get out of here. We don't want to do this. This is a stupid subject. This is uh, this is for crazy people with tinfoil hats and we're not going to do this kind of stuff. So you have to build this 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 threat narrative in order to do it because if you go in like like what's happening in Canada and that's how you and I got this discussion. Uh when I was in the negotiations uh and and uh um Nicole Sackage was with me and what we had done is you had started this ball rolling in Canada and you had got Larry Maguire uh, interested and Larry McGuire came to me and his assistant came to me and they wanted files from the early Canadian stuff and they started asking questions and they were dealing with you and you were bringing them up to speed and behind the scenes I didn't realize that Larry McGuire was also bringing like 10 MPs up to speed he was briefing these MPs behind the scenes people that 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 didn't want to come forward right now but they wanted to know what's going on and he was giving them information from all three parties so it wasn't just one party and uh, so what happened was um, I know through you and through Larry that that uh, Lou Elizondo had actually talked to Larry McGuire on the phone. And I think there was Larry and one other person. Am I right? There was two MPs that 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 they were talking to Elizondo, right? Yeah, there was one more who was the uh, one of the critics of defense. OK, so so they, they were talking to uh, and and. and 
and Lou Elizondo was answering questions on the phone. So I got the idea. I said, hey, well, we can do this. I said, what we should do is I should get um, Larry McGuire and let's do this publicly. Because Larry, I had said Larry should go in front of the House of Commons and just ask a question in the floor of the House of Commons. That's how you do it. Con- confront Trudeau and say, what are you doing about UFOs? And he didn't do that. So um, I, I put together this panel. I said, um, uh, first of all, I went to um, uh, Drew, who was McGuire's assistant. And I said, if I put together a panel would you be able to bring Larry and whoever else who's interested and they can ask questions of these top experts. I can get these top experts from the United States. And he said, Oh, that's, that's actually what we were kind of thinking of doing. So I said, Oh, great. So then I phone up Lou Elizondo. I contacted Lou Elizondo and I said, you know, you gave this talk to these guys, you answered questions for them. Can you do it again? Except this time, do it publicly. And uh, Larry's going to bring some other people in, other other MPs and stuff like that. And we'll put um, other people on. So what we had as a panel, we had Lou, Lou Elizondo, Chris Mellon, uh, Gary Nolan, and Avi Loeb. We're going to be on this panel. And these MPs, and that's when I discovered there was there, there's possibly going to be 10 MPs. And then McGuire is going to in, invite these people. And we were going to have this panel. And these guys were going to answer questions. And uh, Lou Elizondo was all excited about it. And he said, yeah, this is what we want to do. And what we're going to do is we're going to let you live broadcast it. We're going to live broadcast it. We're going to try to get as many stations as possible to live broadcast this thing and make a big, huge deal. And everybody in Canada would go, oh, my God, I didn't know my, my MP was interested in UFOs. And, and it would be you know, all over the newspapers and all these MPs would be able to come forward. And the idea that, that McGuire's assistant had given to me was the reason they wanted to do it this way was that it would provide cover for the science advisor to the prime minister who wanted to write a report, but she couldn't just write the report. So if this thing came out and made this all public, then she would have the cover to write a report and say to the prime minister, we need to investigate UFOs. So they wanted to do a scientific investigation with the, that was going to be requested. And so when you had the conversation, the first one, and then we had um, the, the moderator, they didn't agree with the moderator. So um we didn't replace the moderator. We had a second meeting and they came on there and it was, it was Cahill who was, I think really sort of stirring it up. And, and he, he was, he was on this deal. Like you have to do it. Like we're, we, we, the Logan act says that we can't tell you Canadians what to do, but this is how we did it. And they were, they gave us this PowerPoint presentation thing, flowchart thing about how they had done it. And, and I was trying to get across to them. That, that's not how the Canadian parliament is parliamentary system works our committees in the house of commons can't spend money they have no power whatsoever the prime minister runs the whole show and and from there on down and and they have they don't have the power to spend into order uh, investigations and hearings like the like they have in in the united states and i said that's not how it works and they said get some military witnesses and uh get, get them to um identify and then it's inside the Canadian airspace and it's interfering with the the Canadian military and I said well we don't have any of these cases we don't have any military people and if we had military peace people then I've got to try to get these people to come forward that could take forever and and they they just kept insisting well no the Logan Act says we can't tell you what to do and basically what it came down to is they could they could they weren't going to tell us what to do but until we do it did what we were told they weren't going to help us and then it, it what happened in the second meeting was this whole thing about the scientific investigation. So in the United States, um, the, the way it's working is it goes in front of the Armed Services and the Intelligence Committee, which means it's all about weapons. It's about national defense, and Semi Van has actually admitted that. He said, if you're sitting there and waiting for this panel in Washington 
to have a philosophical discussion about UFOs and where they're from and what's going on, it's not going to happen. The only thing they're going to look at is national security about, is this a threat? That's all they're going to do. They're not going to do anything else. And so that's where they're at. And the Canadians just wanted to do this thing through the scientific investigation. And we kept saying, the Canadians want to do it through a scientific investigation. We don't have any military witnesses. We don't have any threat scenario where we can say they're interfering with our airspace and this sort of thing. And it's that point that, that Chris Mellon said, that's the poison pill. I'm gone. And I was floored. And that was it. It all sort of fell apart. Lou was still excited. He said, well, let's have another meeting. And then, and then, and then, uh, uh Nicole was going to schedule another meeting. I said, no, we don't need another meeting. Let's just get the date. I said, August the 26th at two o'clock. Who's, who's, who's against that? Nobody said anything. I said, okay, that's the date. And we said it, but Lou was ready to come back for a third meeting. He was all excited. And, and I think it was Cahill and, and Mellon who said this is the poison pill. So once we dis- discussed the fact that it was going to be a scientific investigation and not a military threat investigation, he just said, no. We're not going there. And then we heard later through uh, through Sean Kale that we were going to turn this thing into a spectacle. And damn right, we were going to turn it into a spectacle. That was the whole point. And he said, we're not going to answer questions uh, that people can look up on Google, which sort of means that if you've got an MP and he hasn't d- done anything on UFOs and they go and this panel comes up, if this MP asks a stupid question, they're going to you know, embarrass the guy and tell me stupid and we're not going to answer your question because it's a stupid question. People who don't know anything about UFOs, they're going to ask stupid questions. And that's the whole point of bringing the experts in is to answer the question. And these 10 MPs would have come forward. They would have outed themselves and said, yeah, we were into this thing, but it all fell apart because they wouldn't, they wouldn't run the panel. And I think you tried to run a panel after that and you can go from there. I don't know what happened when you tried to set it up again and do the same sort of thing that we tried the first time. I just followed on your words. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. And knowing knowing Lou, and I know Jimmy Church did as well, and both Jimmy and I had contacted Lou Elizondo at the same time, pretty much within hours of each other, and said, is this going on? And, you know, Lou is somebody you just can't schedule at the last minute. You have to plan. So that's yeah. what I did was I sent Lou a text message saying, hey, I know this is going on, and we're planning on doing a, a panel that night on Spaced Out Radio. I would love for you to be able to attend. Please let me know if this is something that would interest you. I can show you the text yeah. message. It was nice and simple yeah. like that, and yeah. that's when all hell broke loose. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a there's a difference between the Canadians and the Americans where the Canadians just salute and do whatever we're told to do. So if we're told to buy F-35 strike fighters and why we need a strike fighter, I don't know. But we, we just we just do what we're told. And it, they're sort of running the show in the United States that 
So I would imagine that the military is being, you know, advised on the five I thing that they're getting some sort of information, uh, but the people aren't getting anything. The same as the United States. I mean, this stuff is. You see what's happened with the committee is that like uh, I've told people to warn them about what's happening, and that is that everybody's cheering this thing on. And so what happens? The first report comes back and it says, "Oh, we've got 144 cases, and one of them has been identified." And then someone says, "Oh, so what's the shape?" Oh, we can't tell you. It's classified. Oh, where's the report? Oh, can't tell you. It's classified. So the blue book, which everybody slammed back in the 1960s, said this was a total uh, PR uh, put on. Uh, actually, you had the you had the sightings and you had the the shapes. You don't even have that anymore. It's just going into this black hole, and everybody's going to provide all this information on these apps and stuff, and it's going to go in, and they're going to do this sighting thing, and they're going to determine whether it's a threat to national security. And I'll guarantee you, they'll say, yeah, it's a threat to national security, because if you don't say it's a threat to national security, that's the end of the budget. It's game over. You have to you have to keep going. And it's almost what, what Eisenhower warned in the 1950s. He said, beware the military industrial congressional complex. And at the last minute, they took congressional out of the speech because they didn't want to offend Congress in the last speech of the president. But it basically meant that once you get Congress involved, like the F-35 jet fighter, which is made in 46 different states, once every every senator and, and congressman has got his hand in the pot and is getting money for his, for his district, nobody's going to vote if they're there's suddenly a you know uh, 100% overrun in in the cost of, of whatever you're building, and that that's the way the thing works. It's just you know first we got a 750 million dollar defense insecurity defense budget, and then it's 825, and that's not enough, and we need a billion, and it, it just keeps going. And that's what Eisenhower warned: is this thing is just spiraling out of control. Is is we have these you know whatever the threat is, whether it's Russians or Chinese, and now we're turning it into into aliens. And I basically say. That, you know, people, I, I warn people, I say the, what Walker used to say to us back in the 1990s. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, why do you want to know? Admit it. You're just curious. Admit it. You're just curious. Why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity? And it was the old deal is we're using this for national security. We are going to get this thing. We are not giving it to the Russians, we're not giving it to the Chinese, we're not giving it to our other six hundred and forty-five enemies. And we're gonna we're gonna work on this thing and we're not gonna give it to you because if we say this is true, then you're just going to ask the next question. Then we're going to answer that question. You're going to ask another question. And it's just going to go downhill and the Russians are just going to be sitting there and taking down notes. So they say we're, we're not going to do that. And that's what Walker said to us at the end. He said, so when you figure this thing out, what are you going to do with it? And that's a big question that the UFO community has got to ask. Because I say, do you seriously think that the United States of America is going to allow greys, reptilians, and mantids to walk the streets of America and to develop factories with free energy and free labor that they have, and they're going to compete against American business, that ain't happening. So why are we why are we doing this? And it basically, it comes down to curiosity. Grant, you know, I see a lot of comments in our chat room. How can you say there's not 100%, uh, you know, nothing's 100%. We don't know if the aliens uh, or whatever these are are a threat or not. So to say that they're not, you know, is is, you know, uh, not quite correct. However, we have some news out of Canada that we have briefly mentioned on this show previous, but the Department of National Defense has informed in Canada the members of many members of parliament regarding this subject that there is zero threat to Canadian yep. airspace. Zero threat. We know, thank you to Daniel Otis, that CF-18s have been scrambled to try and intercept 
unidentified flying objects. We know that pilots of all nationalities have experienced unidentified flying objects flying across Canada, whether going to Europe or Asia or into the United States or South America. We know this is happening. I mean, how on the on one side of the border are we seeing a complete threat narrative, yet on the Canadian side of the border and many other countries' side of the borders, we're hearing that there is zero threat? Yeah. Well, the, the phenomena, if you listen to Jim Semivan and others, I mean, this thing has been around for 2,000 years. And if it wanted to take us, why is it waiting until we get all sorts of advanced weapons before it takes over? Could have done this like a thousand years ago and taken over. And, and so that's the thing. I say the universe is neutral. I'm not, I'm not a Greer person. I'm not saying that there's a threat. I'm not saying there's not a threat. I'm saying the universe is neutral. That everything is an experience that happens to us. For example, someone to say, uh, I used to have this argument with 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 uh, Linda Howe all the time. We'd go for dinner, and and she'd always start on the you know the aliens are having battles with each other in outer space, the good aliens and the bad aliens. And I said, Linda, how does this work? I mean, aliens are telepathic, aren't they? Yeah. Well, how do you sneak up on the guy? I mean, if you're going to fight a war in outer space, I mean, how do you sneak up on the other guy to to win the war? And if you're and if you're precognitive, which aliens are, they know what's going to happen in the future, and they'll say there's no time space. They, they, everything they can see in the future, they know who's going to win the war. So if you if you know you're going to lose the war, why would you start a war? And that goes to when she's she's always had this thing. She's been a main proponent of this thing, the good guys and the bad guys. And she went to Bashar, and I always quote this thing where she went to Bashar and she said, uh, you know, these aliens evil and Bashar said no 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 she goes and she says well then who should we be afraid of and then Bashar said you and 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 that's true I mean I I would say if you say this is a threat number one if you say the grays are the threat so if if reincarnation is a fact which there's as much evidence for reincarnation as there is for UFOs if the grays are the threat if you die and you are you are born tomorrow as a gray are you now evil and, and it gets to this race thing, that there's this race versus good, and this race is bad, and, and you can blow up a school bus full of gray alien children because they won't grow up to be evil like their parents and stuff. The, the universe is neutral, and, and, and we set it up where we, we, we establish us versus, like in hockey, you know how it works in hockey. It's like uh, the, your team is the bad team, and my team's a good team, and this little 10-year-old guy who's refereeing the little 6-year-old kids is a, is a demon that's working for your side, and, and we, we play this us versus them. And it comes to this thing about we're, we're so trained in religion uh, for good and bad. There's good and there's bad people, and we're the good people, so those people have to be the bad, and it goes into this separation. And what I say when it comes to evil, I say the only thing that is evil in the modern world is one thing and one thing only, the mistaken belief in separation. If you suddenly realize that you are part of this whole thing, that it is all divine, it is all of God, and there's even this expression, what do you think you can, you can, you can say? I'm divine, but that person is not. That is just the darkness pretending to be the light. It is all divine. It is all made of God. And we, we have this we, 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 it's how we deal with things. So you could have like in a, in a near death experience or the one, one ex- story that they told was the guy said, he's, he's coming down from heaven and he's talking to his buddies. And then the guy says, what, what are you, what are you going to do? He says, well, last time I, I worked on forgiveness and it was at level three of forgiveness. So this time I, when I go onto earth, I want to have a level 10 forgiveness. I want to get right to the top. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to have my wife and my kids and we're going to have a car accident. And uh, they were going to both, they're all going to get killed. 
and I'm going to be paralyzed for life and I'm going to forgive my the person who did it to me. And they said, oh, that's so good of you. And he said, but before I get on to earth, he said, I, I need one of you to volunteer to be the drunken driver. And they all go, no, no, not me. And this is the whole idea is that everything is an experience. So we say, this is good. This is bad. And, and of course, we, we do this division thing where we, 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 it's your team versus my team. And we play it like a football game where it's, it's the, end, the ends justifies the means. And I basically say that every experience is going to be a teaching experience in the reincarnation thing. When you move into reincarnation, it's all experience. There's not like good experiences and bad experiences. It's all the same thing that everything is, is we, we plan, we plan, for example, we plan to come onto into the world and to die. Well, did we plan that? Yeah, we, we probably planned that. Or you say that we're the only ones that believe in good and evil. If you, if you take a look at, 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 at spiders, they spend their whole day killing things in their, in their spider web. And we say, well, that's, that's just north. That's just nature. That's okay. Or we say, people will say, oh, you know, there's these things they could actually, what's the worst thing they could do to us, David? They could kill us. So you say, okay, they could, they could, they could, they could um, uh, kill us. So what, what are we worried about? So we, in your human body, you have 300 billion cells die every day. So if we do a compassion meditation, is there anybody this morning on this broadcast that actually had a compassion meditation and said, thank you to the cells? And I'm, I feel very sorry for you that you gave your life for me today. No, we, we, the only time we worry about it is when it becomes the ego cell. It becomes I, the ego. Oh, the, the ego is going to die. Now we got to, now we got to save ourselves. We don't really care anybody else that's dying. Anybody else is suffering. We just worry about the ego and the ego is the separation. It's me versus you, my ego. And, and when you realize that it's all one thing, you're part of the whole thing. And you could come back as one of these aliens. You could, you know, you could come back as, as, as uh, your worst enemy. And I always warn people, whatever it is that you really hate, whatever race it is you really hate, if you actually believe there's evil races that are, ra- that are evil right from the word go, be careful because the next time around, that's probably what you're coming back to be. And, and, and we have situations, I think you want to go to a break, but yes. Grant, go. I'm going to cut you off right there. When we come back, more on the threat narrative. Is it out there? Does it really exist? Is it a cash cow? Grant Cameron on Spaced Out Radio tonight. A huge audience listening to us online. Thank you so much for tuning us in. Hour 2 of Spaced Out Radio is next. All right, Grant, we got six minutes. I just want to say to, we got a rather large audience. There's 312 watching on YouTube right now. Uh, I just want to say a big thank you and uh, for staying awake with us. And if this is your first time here, uh, we are a live radio show as well, along with YouTube and podcast. So we have to time everything out for our radio audiences. And that way that they get the, uh, the show at the same time as we do. And uh, they get to hear everything uh, that we do. But we do take breaks. We do talk. Uh, Grant... Um, I'm going to uh, step out here for a quick second, and uh, I'll take you out, put you in the green room. We're going to be right back, everyone. Uh, You're going to stare at – well, I'll just leave my chair up here. You can stare at my chair and the Elavni Volador T-shirt. He's a jerk, by the way, but (sighs) I will be right back, so stay tuned.
<clears throat> All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning us on in. We're going to get going here with our number two here momentarily. And uh, we, Runa, welcome. Susan goes, time traveling. How are you? Good to see you. We'll bring Grant back in because Grant's always full of happiness and joy. Yeah. Oh, let's see here. Got a lot of people tuned in, man. Holy cow. There we go. You are a draw. People want to hear what you're saying, yeah. boss. <laughs> yeah. As long as they don't get upset by this, because that's what I said. A lot of people get upset by this, this whole debate thing. Hi, SJ. How you doing, buddy? Oh, yeah. But it's a debate that needs to be had. You know, yeah. that that's the big thing. It's a debate that needs to be had. You know, I mean, look, I'm not saying that that every alien's a good alien. Not every human's a good human. But, you know, at some point, we do have to draw the line of what's about money and what's not. You know? And the public, I mean, especially the American public, that comes right out of their wallets. And it's uh, it's a vicious circle. It's just going to get worse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We do have a couple audience questions coming up here. Uh, audience, we have about 45 seconds. I want to say a big thank you to our super chatters tonight. Dry Toast, Pam, Carl, or Human Carl, uh, Red Panda, I will get to your question. Uh, Lori, D. Cohen, and Chris for the super chats. Thank you so much for uh, the love and support. Thank you to everybody who has hit subscribe on our channel over the last few days, pushing us past 20,000 subscribers. We're on our way to 50,000 now. Thank you so much. And if you're new, give us a subscribe, ring the bell we're here seven days a week for you and we love being here and uh that's what we do this is what we do each and every night on spaced out radio so thank you so much hi bad cop how you doing we're gonna get going in three seconds you're listening to spaced out radio with dave scott follow dave on twitter at spaced out radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Echidisis. Echidisis is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with legendary researcher Grant Cameron, and we're talking about the threat narrative. Is there a threat or not when it comes to UFOs, their conversions into U.S. areas of military action, whether it's war, whether it's training grounds, and yet other countries like Canada are saying there is no threat to 
Sovereign Skies. Grant, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me back. One other little thought I can maybe just add to, to sort of, because people probably still are wondering. Take World War II, end of World War II. Japanese were considered to be evil. Uh, once the war was over, they started building cars. Now they're good guys. Did the, the, uh, the evil evaporate? And when it came to the end of the war, uh, we had the bombing missions. Uh, a lot of people may not remember this. They had the bombing missions by the 8th Air Force, which is the same uh, group that recovered the Roswell craft. Uh, they did the fire bombings, which if people don't know what fire bombings are, they would drop and break the houses into little pieces in the, in the, the center uh, areas of, of Tokyo, all made out of wood so that the fire engines couldn't go around. Then they dropped the incendiary devices, created a 1500 degree heat and cremated people alive. People were jumping into boiling lakes and stuff like that. And we did this 900,000 people and then we dropped the atomic bomb. And so we could say to the Japanese, are the, are, was the Americans, the eighth air force evil? Absolutely. And, and so we, but yet when it came to the, the, the pilots, of the Enola Gay, when they land in the Philippines, they were given awards for saving the world. They were heroes. So it, it just depends on which side of the of the coin you're on, whether you're on the sending or the receiving side, that it can be, you know, a very thin line that people will describe. And, and I, that's what I always say. So if whatever alien you think is really, really bad, I say when they drop the first atomic bomb, then I will I will look at the evil alien petition and I will sign it. Until then, we have met the enemy and he is us. That's what Bashar was saying. We have done more damage and killed more people and firebombed more people. And we can say, oh, the, the aliens, they scared people. Because that's what Ray Hernandez did when he uh, they had the, they did the survey. And only 9% of people that they surveyed of the 3,000 experiences believed that the aliens represented something evil. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hey there, I'm David Novak. I ran Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut. And like you, I'm always learning so I can be the best leader I can be. That's why I started How Leaders Lead, the first leader-to-leader podcast with CEOs from Target, Pepsi, and Adobe, and greats like Tom Brady, Jim Nance, and Jack Nicklaus. You'll learn how to win, how to bounce back, and how to lead. So listen to How Leaders Lead wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the best podcast on leadership you'll ever listen to. And he went and he interviewed a lot of these people and they mostly they had encounters with reptilians. And he said, why, why, why do you call them evil? Because they scared the living daylights out of me. He said, that's it. He said, that's it. Most of the people, that's what it was. And so uh, we have a situation where uh, everything is, is, is experience and it's up to us that we, 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 we go into an event. And so in grade 12, some people will think it's the greatest time of their life. Other people will commit suicide. It doesn't matter whatever experience, uh, you know, we can have a hurricane and some of us will lie down and become victims and others will rise up and help other people. And it'll be a, a very fulfilling experience. It's all things that happen to you 
and the idea that uh, there is some sort of evil race. You may be some somebody who makes a mistake or whatever. And the last thing I'll say is that the the idea that that I had in the UFO sky pilots was everybody believe every identifies the fact that everything was one. They were connected to everything that that that. Was, everything was one thing. Everything was alive, connected, and and so what you get is a situation where um, you you have the the ship, and the way it gets here is to understand the question that Ben Rich was asked when when Jan Hartson asked him, "How did they get here, Ben?" And he said, "What do you know about ESP?" And Jan Hartson said, it "Means everything in time and space is connected." And Ben Rich said, "That's how it works." They understand the oneness principle. They understand it's all one thing. There is no time. There is no space. There's no future. There's no past. It's all one thing. And you, that's the only way you get here is to understand the oneness principle. And the, the oneness principle comes with the fact that we're all God's children, as, as Ronald Reagan described. We're all parts of the divine. And we are all come in and we're creating the, the universe ourselves. So if you encounter a, ne- a negative force, you're, you're encountering somebody who believes in, in separation. And that's where, where we go off the track in terms of evil is that once you believe that you're separate from someone else and you're better than someone else and you can steal that person's stuff and injure that person and kill that person, if you realize that person is part of you, you it, to injure that person is to cut your arm off. All right, let's get to some audience questions here uh, as we continue on with Spaced Out Radio tonight. Let's go to Chris Moe, who's in Austria. He's asking, could some dreams grant be stored and being tapped into again in the field of consciousness? That's where we're going. I'm, the, my main a- effort right now is to look at what is nat- what, what is reality, and that's where you see this whole idea that the, the people on board the ship are told it is within you. Go within yourself, imagine. Same as Jesus was asked, where is the kingdom of heaven? And he said, it is, you, you're going to search here, you're going to search there. The kingdom of God is within you. This is this idea of remote viewing, that when a remote viewer goes for the target, he doesn't say, hang on, I'm flying to the target, I'll be there in 30 seconds. He's like, I'm on the target, instantaneously. This is this idea that dreams, even Copernicus uh, or... Um, the, the guy who came up with the scientific method had said it's indistinguishable to tell between what is dream and what is real. And, and, and this is what, what you come down to in, in psychedelic experiences or, or lucid dreams where people say it's more real than the real world. And that's when you start to realize, is this just a dream? Or I say, when you die, you will suddenly discover that your life was just a dream. And when you go into your next life, your, this life will become a forgotten dream. And it's the whole idea that that we, we, we think this is real and we don't realize that it's all consciousness. It's all made out of out of conscious material. We are the ones creating the, the heavens and the earth. God did not create the heavens and the earth as far as I'm concerned. He created the sparks of the divine and we are creating the universe with consciousness. So we build it and dreams, people will describe dreams that it was as real as, the, as more real than the real world. Their UFO experience was more real than the real world. Their out-of-body experience was more real. And you start to wonder what is actual reality. It may be that actual reality is just consciousness at various levels and that all you're doing is changing vibrations and moving into a different level or when i did the contact modality book that everything is in the field all the answers everything is in the field and all you're doing is changing your vibration to get in the field through a dream or through whatever it is and and that anybody uh can do it so um 
it, it dream dreams are we, we say well that's just a dream well what the heck does that mean that's just that's just the name you're just changing the name and and you're not explaining it you're using one unexplained to explain another unexplained in the end it can all it's all consciousness it's all made out of conscious material whether it's dream lucid dream the physical world we just think the physical world is physical and we don't realize it's a dream as well that that, that the you know the, the material is just a lower form of of uh, vibration of of conscious material all right let's move on to another question here from our audience let's go to nikki in seattle grant have you ever discussed this with Susie hansen uh from new zealand who claims to have flown craft since childhood uh yeah she's in the book in, in terms of flying the craft yeah she describes that and she describes she was given the option there was a joystick in her case and she was also shown how to do it by her mind and she said it was much easier to do it with her mind and she also describes the fact that uh they took her through the world which is uh on her way back she said she thought she was in the western hemisphere and that she was really afraid and they said don't worry about it and it was the it was the same idea they sort of changed the frequency they were on the vibration they were on and they went right through the middle of the, the earth and and popped out in new zealand where she was so uh, she, and she describes things that fit into this whole uh, idea of 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 levels, the the Michael Newton idea. And Michael Newton brings up the idea that that if you you believe in reincarnation and, and karma, that you say if you kill somebody in this lifetime, then in the next lifetime you'll get killed by somebody else. Well, somebody has to volunteer for that. Well, that's Michael Newton stuff, where everybody's playing a role, and we are we are not the actor on the stage. We are watching a, and and uh, ourselves playing a role on the on the stage and and that it's all it's all a play it's all an act we we start start to believe that we are actually king henry the eighth because we played king henry the eighth in the high school now we're king henry the eighth we aren't we are watching uh, we are the we are watching the person the person on the stage we are not the actor on the stage all right let's continue on let's go to red panda koala who has one heck of a youtube channel about these subjects and he says cheers everyone Grant, what do you think of the Kalara's Brazil flap? Those UFOs did harm people. To me, it seems some harm, some don't. A lot of variance. Um, I write that up. Um, I, it's escaping my mind. There's, there's, um, as as Jacques Vallée said, you have to understand the mindset of the people. He said, you've got to realize that these people go to Roman Catholic services in the morning and they do Mbanda at night. So when you get into uh, witchcraft and Mbanda and all these kind of uh, ceremonies, you've got to realize uh, you're you're manifesting what's happening around you. And the Calaris Brazil thing, uh, there is this, this idea that you um, that the people the people that were Doing the initial investigation, the Claris got injured. But as soon as they turned it over to the army, nobody ever got injured again. And this comes to this idea of reflective. If you if you look at the Skinwalker Ranch, if you look at Brandon Fugel, Brandon Fugel talks about the fact that the phenomena is reflective. So if you go on to Skinwalker Ranch with a bad attitude, get ready. You're about to have a bad experience. And that's what George Knapp said. Those that were the most aggressive to the phenomena at Skinwalker Ranch had the worst experiences. And I point out that when you take a look at the three guys that had the, the blue orbs. So, okay, the blue orbs, they're the meanies, the blue meanies. They're the, and the Skinwalker, and they play this whole thing up. They follow these guys home. And, of course, my first question was, well, these three guys, I said, hey, 
Were these guys armed? They were. They had this encounter. And with the story I heard, that they heard the voice in their head, all three at the same time, and it said, leave, you are not welcome. And they hit this force field, and they all became petrified that they wouldn't go back. And, of course, later on I found out, yeah, there were, there were special forces guys, and they were armed. So they were playing, let's hunt the skinwalker, and they were armed. And the skinwalker says, oh, want to play hunt the skinwalker? We can play that game. Oh, yeah, no problem. And that's what what Brandon Fugel says is that you've got to realize that it's reflective that that what the attitude so when Brandon Fugel goes on to the to the site he basically does uh he 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 prays so what you had is we had Bob Bigelow who said nobody was injured when he had Skinwalker Ranch nobody was seriously injured when he had Skinwalker Ranch Brandon Fugel says nobody's been injured except for that one guy who was sort of challenging the thing and he had this brain thing where he was challenging didn't believe it and all this stuff and he was melting off and then he got zapped the only ones that were injured were the people with the with the uh the the arm the arm guys uh, that 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 were hunting the Skinwalker on there that were the DIA guys and then you say well okay so the blue orbs the blue orbs are the bad guys and if you see my orb stuff I've got all these people I say hey all these people are posting all their blue orb photographs and they're saying there's nothing wrong with them I got blue orbs all the time they're not meanies uh, you have Betty Andreas and said the blue orbs were the ones that guided her through her experiences there's six books written on Brady Andreas and she said they were they were actually her guides were the blue orbs so we can make this thing and we can take one out of context and we can say oh these blue orbs the thing was that these guys were armed and they took this thing back and every paranormal phenomena is getting taken back if you're doing ghost hunting you know that if, if you don't do this protection thing this thing can follow you back Ron Johnson said he had this one encounter where he he was forcing this thing to come out of a crypt and this black thing came out and he's trying he photographed it and that he said this thing followed around for five years through three different houses you couldn't get rid of it so the, the skinwalker the, the the hitchhiker will follow you but it's good or bad bob bob mcguire's was good he brought the the, the hitchhiker effect back from chris bletso's house and he was healed and his wife was healed there was no evil stuff it's when you get armed when you have the the, the rendlesham forest the lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to stop engine problems before they start? Pick up a can of Seafoam Motor Treatment. Seafoam helps engines start easier, run smoother, and last longer. Trusted by millions every day, Seafoam is safe and easy to use in any engine. Just pour it in your fuel tank. Make the proven choice with Seafoam. Available everywhere automotive products are sold. Three guys at Randall's from Forest. What happened there? So I say, uh, I said to John numerous times, John, so how come, John, you were injured and the other two guys weren't injured? They were just as close as you were when this thing flared up and never got an answer. And then you hear Kabanzak, who was the guy that was with Peniston and, and Burroughs. He said, as soon as this thing flared up, Jim Peniston yelled, open fire. And John pulled his gun and he got zapped by this beam. That's why John, I say, was injured. And I had one just a couple weeks ago, a friend of yours in Georgia. And she said, oh, these two guys get injured going through the portal. And I said, oh, they did? What happened? The one guy died. The other guy's cancer came back. And so I said, oh, can I ask you a question? Were they armed? 
And she said, well, yeah, we're all armed. We all bring guns because there's rattlesnakes and stuff in Georgia, whatever. And, and I said, these were, and she said there were special forces guys and they were armed when they went in the portal. So I say it's this reflective thing that if you don't take a gun to a CE5, it's, it, and, or if you take the Cuban thing that I got out of the, uh, the, the Stanton Friedman files, when I went to the Stanton Friedman files, the first thing I wanted to find was the Cuban thing where the Cubans got this jet, this UFO coming in over Cuba and, and they, they scrambled and they, they told it to, to land. It didn't land. And the U.S. Air Force or the U.S. Navy was monitoring this thing from a communications post in Florida. They were picking up this communication and they heard the wingman and the guy said, lock on. And the guy, the front guy locked onto this UFO and they heard the back guy yell out, it's gone, he's gone, he's gone. The thing just evaporated. So if you're going to lock onto this thing, it's reflective. It can reflect back what, what you're putting out. And that's this uh, this part part of the thing, but that was part of the the the, uh, the thing that happened in, in Brazil. I looked at that. I looked at it very carefully, and it 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 was doing it for a while, and then it completely stopped. And it it had to do with this fact that these guys were were challenging this thing. They were they were they were hunting it, and after the army took over or whatever it was, there was not another single injury. And that would be the thing. So why are they picking on the Brazilians? Why why are they picking on them? If you look at some countries like in Canada, where you know. Uh, uh, what's his name was injured at Falcon Lake, Mikulak, but he touched the thing. That was one of the things I was told. I was told if you touch a craft that's powered up, Chris Butzel told me that, you can be injured. You're not allowed to touch the craft. Same as Steve Boucher was told when he went on the craft, do not touch the craft when you go on the craft. So you have that that kind of stuff. But people say, well, you're within 100, yard, 100 meters. I was within 100 meters five times in, in the 1950s, but I wasn't armed. And I wasn't injured. I had nothing wrong with me whatsoever in the 19... In, and these people are saying, oh, if you're in 100 yards and stuff like that, I think it's got more to do with weapons. And that's why you're seeing the, the people that are injured. It's, it's these military people. And you have to give me examples of people who weren't armed and weren't challenging the thing and weren't trying to, to uh, go after it and stuff like that. Then, you know, if you're talking military, then there's a whole other uh, story that maybe is not even being told about why these people are being injured. And that's what I said. I said there had these all these people were injured that Kit Green and Nolan and these guys. And I said, well, how did these military people get within 100 yards of these things? Like, how, how did that happen? Everybody's dying to get within 100 yards. And it would indicate that they're trying to track these things. They're trying to capture one of these things. And good luck. I mean, it's the old idea that you, you what goes around comes around. What you sow, you reap. All right, let's get to Eugene's question here. Grant, what can you tell us of the duality of consciousness? Do you believe there is a duality? We got four and a half minutes left. No, uh, it's 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 all it's all one thing. It's what we make out of it that we we can we can make heaven or hell. We uh, people believe that there's this good. We were so brought up in the Christian thing of of good versus evil, of duality as above, so below, and and it may be as above, so below, but it's all consciousness. It's all the same thing, and and we give it meaning. We we we. If so, if you encounter say a bad being, as I did when when I had the this the, the psychedelic experience, I had five bad experiences. If you're if you're going to uh, go in with a bad attitude, same as a near death experience, you can have a very bad near death experience, which doesn't mean that God's picking on you because he's giving you a bad near death experience. You're trying to control the experience and and you're picking up bad you, you have vibrations at different levels so if somebody's has bad vibration and they die that vibration will stick and you may pick up that vibration of that lower uh person who's not as highly evolved the higher you go up so yeah you can you can pick up 
but it's all it's all like a tuning like a radio we're all on different frequencies and it goes from from the bottom to the top and it's whatever you're tuned into you you get what you're tuned into all right let's go to a different a different uh, question here let's go to yj in british columbia if we are warring a warring species as humans would a peace narrative be construed by narrative builders as a threat narrative could the threat narrative be a psyop to keep the mic in business men in charge um well the threat narrative i say is it's basically that's what it is they, they need money and unless you're going to pre- present a, a a need for the u.s government to fulfill and they tried it they, they tried for years nobody nobody wanted to touch the subject and as soon as you give it a threat narrative and say that you know this is going to be bad and they're they're in our airspace i even dispute that i say it's not your airspace if it's anybody's airspace, it's the natives' airspace. And then it was owned by Mexico, California, uh, Texas, all these places. That was all Mexico until 1848 when the Americans took it. And it's not your airspace. We're here to protect the airspace. And, and it's this idea that it's in, our, it's in our airspace. Nobody owns the airspace. We just say it's in our, you're in our airspace, and therefore we can kill you. And uh, the, nobody owns the airspace. It's, it, we're only here for a short time, and uh, we don't own anything. All right, let's continue on here. Let's sneak one more in here, if we can. Lily Pond wants to know, do you believe that the ETs will eventually disclose themselves to us? No, they can't. They can't. It's, it's a gradual disclosure thing that they're doing that I don't even, the more I look at it, the more I don't think it's even ET. There may be ETs on other planets, but I don't think they can actually get here off that planet. The same as we can't get to another star system unless you understand this oneness principle, that everything is one thing, that that, that is all connected. It's all one thing because they're going, I believe they're going through portals. They're they're popping in and popping out. And, and so uh, there may be ETs out there but they can't get here unless they understand this idea of, of oneness about how, how it works. All right. Well, we might have time for one more here. Okay. Let's go to Lauren Middleton. Thank you for joining our chat room. Lauren is asking, uh, or says, Grant, I loved it when you asked Dick Cheney if he had read into the UFO subject. Did you ever get a, a high-quality answer off of that? Well, what he said to me, uh, I, I asked him because I, I, I was following all the very important people. So I knew that he, he would know if anybody knew. So I said, in all your jobs in government, because he was chief of staff for Ford, he was the secretary of defense under Bush, and he was the vice president under the, uh, the junior Bush. So I said, in all your jobs in government, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? If so, when was it and what were you told? Which is what you want to ask. You want to say, were you briefed? You don't want to ask him, do you believe in UFOs or what do you think about UFOs? Because they're just going to walk around the question. Did you ever get briefed? Did they ever tell you what was going on? And he said, if I had been briefed on that subject, it would probably be classified and I wouldn't be talking about it. Well, there you go. 20 seconds. We got Grant Cameron for another half hour here on Spaced Out Radio. We are going to take just a couple more questions, and then we're going to get into a brand new book that he has coming out called Tune In, The Paranormal World of Music. We're going to go into John Lennon, His Death, Wisdom, and UFOs. Oh, this is uh, Grant when he's at his best, tearing things apart, finding that information, and running with it. That's why we love it when Grant comes on this show as much as he does. He is a hero and mentor to many of us in the UFO world. Grant Cameron, of course, can be found on YouTube, all over social media. We love him around here. We got him for another 30 minutes. Space Down Radio continues 
right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we're clear. Uh, hello, Yogi. Welcome. And Yogi Berra. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> and who else jumped in here? Philip Baca, good to see you. All right, we are caught up on everybody now. 330 people watching. How many countries? I don't people know. People identify your countries. I don't what know. What kind of countries we got I, from here? Identify. You got Austria there. I know we have Austria. I know we got the U.S. We got Canada. We got the uh, United Kingdom. Uh, I know. Uh, let's see here. I know we have Australia. And uh, let us know where you're from. We want to know. And I'll read it out to Grant. Hey, Bones, how are you? And whether your country thinks it's a threat narrative. Oh, so, uh, I was talking to the people from uh, from Sweden, and the one guy from the uh, the big uh, archives there said he absolutely believes there's no abductions in Sweden. So then that's where you start really getting into questions. Right. It's like, well, what's going on here? Like, is this just an American uh, thing going on here? Oh, well, here we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Uh, check this out. Uh, so Wild Aloof is from New Zealand. And Boy, there you go. Pony Pong is from Holland. Uh, Dutch Hank is from the Netherlands. Uh, Thomas uh, Kunas is from Germany. And uh, let's see. Pixie Lars from New Mexico. California for Thurston Howell III. Uh, Midnight Sasquatchers is from Mars. Uh, Gailey <laughs> is from Michigan. Louisiana. Uh, Michael Leger, British Columbia via Mars. I.D. Hey, Swiger, how on. are you? Hey, Bones. Uh, let's see here. Red Panda Koala, California. And Nikki's from the U.S. Dirty Filth from Edmonton, uh, Australia for Tombstone. Hi, Connor. How you doing, buddy? Good to see you. And let's see. Who else do we have coming in? Marlena is from Australia. Uh, Iowa for Rose Brooks. Ohio for D. Swiger. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com. Yelm, Washington for Bad Cop. Uh, Lars Janssen's from Sweden. He's There you he, go. Yeah, he's from uh, Patea, Sweden. Where's number 31 when he's in net? You know, taking shots <laughs> from Marcus Naslin and Peter Forsberg, yeah. you know. And uh, let's see, who else do we have here? Just Sam is from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, California, Maine, uh, SoCal for Christine. Mississippi for Trace B, Idaho for Pam Harris, uh, Jim Goodall from Area 51, uh, there you go. Jay Burke, welcome to our chat room from 
New uh, Northeast Ohio, Lily Pond from Wyoming. Uh, say hi to Lou for us, if you don't mind. Uh, Oxnard, California for Obi Flett. Uh, Montana for Worsley. Uh, let's see. Atlanta for Mennonite Abe. Gyro is in Pennsylvania. Trebor is from a, near a portal in Georgia. President, <laughs> uh, President Zaddy is from Houston. Uh, Montana for Super Duke. Liz Skywalker from Bakersfield, California. Oh, Marlene is from South Africa. I didn't know that. Wow. Very cool. Uh, Nicole Sackich from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. All the earthlings. Let's see. Uh, Cliff Size from the Mid-Atlantic East Coast. W. David Page from Chicago. Shiro's from Central Illinois. Uh, Simply Coco is in North Carolina. And uh, let's see who else is here. Mm-hmm. I think we're all uh, Great Britain for Tony. And oh, Tony. Australia Tony. for Steam Train Mark. Mark, can you let Grant and I know if we are alive tomorrow? We'd appreciate that. Though <laughs> uh, so they live in the future, so they know, right? Uh, Hilton yeah, is from right. Hilton is from New Zealand. Uh, Mark Sanchez, Route 66 on Fontana, California. Uh, Wales for uh, Tony. And Central Missouri for the Doug Shelby. And, oh, Marlene is from Cape Town. Yeah, that, that's the type yeah. of area where, you know, you wake up in the morning and you want to go, you know, just outside and enjoy the sun. And there's some giant cobra lying in your yard. That, that's what happens in Cape Town. I've but they have good it. music there. They have real good <laughs> with drums, and I like the music. Corruption Czar is from Tampa, Florida. The Mac Geek from uh, New York. Yeah, man, we. I, I got to get a map. I have to get a map. <laughs> I have to. Uh, uh, Steam Train Mark says, uh, Grant, you and I are alive tomorrow. There you go. We well, are that's... alive. So we Oh, Tombstone also confirms it. So uh that's good. <laughs> that is good. Uh Let's see. Ohio for Jay Burke. And uh, Marlena says it is true about the cobras. Here we go, uh everyone. past the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We really do appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok 
at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. We have until the top of the hour. Grant Cameron is with us. UFO threat narrative. And we've been going through some audience questions where we'll continue on for right now, Grant. And then we're going to get to your brand new book that's about to come out. Let's start with, uh, oh, we've asked that one. Let's go to Armando here. Grant, is disclosure a techno scam like Jay Pandolfi says? Uh, well, Ron Pandolfi is supposed to go on camera. Oh, Ron, He's supposed to sorry. tell this story. Um, I sort of think that he may be right because what basically what they're putting out is the the portal story, and that's what I said that I and that I believe that the portal story has more backing than the anti gravity story, and that's what Ron is saying that this is a techno scam that they're uh, just trying to get money. And he talks about he even talks about he says it's uh, a bunch of they used to go after billionaires. That that uh, would rather invest in a stupid anti-gravity thing than pay their taxes, and now they've run out of uh, billionaires, and so they're going after the U.S. Congress. Uh, he could be right. He, there's a claim that he's going to go on camera and he's going to tell this whole story. And he's told the same story right from the word go. Because when the 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 whole story broke with the New York Times, I immediately was online with Dan Smith. I said, "What's Ron's got to say?" <laughs> and then it came out. It was, oh, it's a techno scam. These guys, I know all these guys, and and they've been doing this for years, scamming people. And it's the whole idea that they don't have the technology, and they're trying to to get everybody the idea that they if you get give us money, we're going to figure this thing out. And I guess Ron is saying this thing is so far beyond what you guys. It's just you're just dragging money out of people. Which let me give you thirty seconds on on that I yeah. that I forgot, which is an idea about the the evil alien thing. Is uh, you probably know that I'm like with the portal thing. I'm very much into the Mission Rama thing. And there's 25,000 Mission Rama, and they've had all sorts of alien encounters over the years since 1974, and they have yet not one single negative report, not one single gray, not one single reptilian, and not one single mantid ever. All their beings are completely different, which has the thing with, with, which John Mack said to, to, uh, um, to, uh, to Bud Hopkins. He said, Bud! He says, you know, it's really strange. He says, you know, I'm the psychiatrist here. You think I'd be getting all the real bad ones, he said. But he says, you're getting all the bad ones, and I'm getting all the spiritual-seeking ones. And maybe that has more to do with you and I than it does with the aliens. And that's the thing, is it's this reflective quality that Bud had all these grays, and the, the, the Mission Rama people have never had a gray. And they've had all these beings and portals, and I've interviewed the people in the portals and stuff, and uh, you start to wonder, why don't they get grays and reptilians if, uh, if everybody else is getting them? Right. Okay, let's go to another question here. This one from Chill Farm. Susie Hansen and Robert Salas talk about going to underwater bases. Did any of the others have a similar experience? Dual soul is a must read. Um, these people haven't. No, they, none of the, it was, where do you want to go? So um, people were going to wherever they wanted. They wanted to go to the far side of the universe. They were gone there. Ron Johnson wanted to see the Milky Way from a distance. Uh, John Ramirez talks about this ice planet that he goes to. Um, uh, one guy, the, um, the guy from Liverpool, uh, Pratt, he, he talked about the fact that, that he was on board the ship. There was a whole bunch of people and they were all, they were all doing this. They're all practicing with this thing. And he said, can I have a go at it? And they said, yeah, yeah, sure. You can have a go. And he put his hand on this panel and he only lifted this thing 500 feet in the air and then brought it back down. So it was wherever they wanted to go. Uh, nobody's asked to go there and, um, the, th- the, uh, the thing about underground bases, they may have underground bases, but if they are etheric 
if you get Leslie Kane telling you a story about the hand that appears and then disappears, and she's seen this four times and it was a real hand, that's what I think is happening. They're coming into the physical world and they're leaving again. And I'm not really sure they need underground bases to live in. Uh, they even with uh, Pam Dupuis saying they they have ships that are as big as the solar system that they can live out there and they really don't need bases. And a lot of this stuff may just be that they're they're dealing with this at whatever level we're at. So in the 1890s, they told us they were from Mars and uh, they had wooden ships for propellers. And then they said they were from Venus and Uranus and stuff. And then we then suddenly we realized that wasn't true. Then they said, oh, we're from uh, Zeta Reticuli and the Pleiades. And then when we got into dimensions, then they said, oh, we're from the fourth, the fifth, the ninth dimension, the twelfth dimension. And it's almost like they're just one step ahead of us and they're just dragging us along with breadcrumbs. And they just keep changing the story as they go along. All right, let's continue on here with a couple more questions. Worsley is asking, about the physical world being a dream, do you think that this comes out in our stories, an example being H.P. Lovecraft with the idiot god? I'm not sure with the with the Lovecraft thing what that is, um, but the dream thing is it's becoming more and more. Now we're talking about simulated uh, universes and holographic universes and stuff. I mean, when I started, nobody was talking about that kind of stuff. So now it's 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 becoming more popular where people are starting to realize, yeah, this may actually be a simulation, a video game type thing, and that we are the ones that are playing it. And we take a, when our when our character dies, then we go take another character and we play the game again. And we just keep playing this game over and over again. And what we do is we take in from the universe. So we take in with our senses, through our eyes and through our ears and whatever, and then we put out. So we put out stories and we put out inventions and we build buildings and stuff like that. And we leave the world as a better place than when we came. So the universe gets more elaborate, and more information more knowledge more buildings and it just that's how creation i believe is 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 going that we're we're playing this role we just come in and we play the role we go out and uh so uh, people are now accepting this may be the truth and that's what max planck said he said you do not convince your opponent by convincing him that you're right you it, it's one funeral at a time and the younger generation won't be offended with the idea, and they'll just pick it up. So you take a look at Nicole's son, who plays with these, the, the, with his, uh, with his uh, 3D glasses, and he's building stuff in these glasses and stuff. It's a totally different world. I mean, to these kids, uh, sure, it's a it's a video game. Sure, there's uh, beings coming from everywhere else. Sure, and they believe all this kind of stuff. We just got to wait for all the old people to die for these new ideas to be adopted, and that's what that's what's happening. All right, let's continue on here. As Darius is asking, Grant, what are your thoughts about Alexander Crowley's seances when it comes to the other side and UFOs and ET contact? Well, I, the, uh, this is the deal that everybody, anybody can do it. So if you may be familiar with the story about Philip, who was the ghost in, in Toronto, that the, in the 1970s, I think it was, uh, these eight parapsychologists decided they're going to make up a ghost. So they make up this ghost by the name of Philip and he, in the 16th century and, and he, uh, played around on his wife and then he his wife finds out and then he 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 accuses his wife of witchcraft and then she gets uh, executed and then he commits suicide he feels so bad they make up this whole story and they couldn't get it to happen and then they decided that somebody told them well you got to play it like a seance and you got to get the, the vibration up and so they started singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall and they, they were all having a party thing and suddenly this ghost appears and they start talking to this ghost and it's exactly what they were putting into this thing this ghost is talking to them and so Anybody can can Crowley. Anybody can do can can inter, uh, can 
tap into this. And what you're going to tap into, you may, you may tap into a low vibration or high vibration. You can tap into whatever it is that you're building is, is what you're going to actually tap into. So, yeah, I mean, this kind of stuff, it's all connected. That's what Ray Hernandez was told when he saw a consciousness lecture for me and he went back to, and he was stuck in a traffic jam in, in Miami and he did the free survey with, with, uh, with Edgar Mitchell and he said that he was pulled out of his out of his car and he was up in the, and they had this wheel spinning and the wheel had psychic phenomena and seances and remote viewing and UFOs and all this sort of stuff and the and the beings were saying to him you got to quit parsing this stuff it's all the same thing it's all made out of this consciousness thing and you keep, you guys keep separating it and you've got seances are good and this is bad and this is good and it's all the same thing you're just it's a different uh, it's a different modality that you're using so Crowley would have, would have been able to get in there and and whatever he is low vibration that he brought into it he would pick up that kind of vibration from the other side because there's all sorts of people on the other side who are quite willing to talk to you and they're low vibration people who may have committed suicide or whatever or just want to talk to people or lonely or whatever and it's it's whatever you're tapping into that we are, as 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 um, John Wheeler, who was the uh, a successor to to uh, Einstein at Princeton, said, "There's no out there, out there. It's just a participatory universe. The idea that it's all within yourself, and you are creating this stuff, and you got to realize you're part of what you're creating. It's there's no separation. You you are part of what you're what what's happening, and and the the physical world does not come in until there's an observer. We are part, or and that's people hate it because that's what Einstein said. I'd like to know the moon was behind me when I'm not looking. People want to have this this world of separation, that the world is separate because they want to play the victim. Oh, it's my mother-in-law. It's the dog ate my homework and the government's doing this and I'm the victim and stuff like that. We want, we refuse to take responsibility for the fact that we are creating our reality and we want to blame someone else. And so we have us versus them and the bad guys are doing this to us. And if it weren't for the bad guys, we'd be doing okay. And at the end of life, According to what Newton said from his 7,000 regressions, you only get asked one question, and the question is, how did it work out? And if you try to bring up my mother-in-law or the government or uh, another race or whatever, they're going to go, time out, time out. This is not about anybody else. It's about you. So we have to worry about what we came into the world to do, and what everybody else is doing is totally irrelevant. It's it's. We, we are playing this game on, on stage ourselves. And when we leave, we're going to reevaluate. We're going to come back on stage and play it again. And we just keep playing it. The world gets more magnificent and more elaborate and more smart. And, and that's the way it works as, as, far, as far as I see. But we are part of what is happening around us. We, we can't play the victim role all the time. Very true. Very true. All right. Let's move on to final question from our audience. This one comes from Cliff. Are there underwater tunnels under... Uh, UAS from Florida and the West Coast that leads hundreds of miles inland to secret bases? I can only tell you one story that was told to me. That was by uh, John Lear. Uh, When I interviewed him at his place in Vegas, he told me the story that uh, there was a tunnel um there's a place um a lake and he said it was kind of strange the way he told the story. There's a small lake in sort of northern Nevada and he said, why is this lake there? There's, there's no lakes. And th- this lake is there. And he claimed that it was a U.S. Navy base and that they had drilled a um, uh, a hole from there under to the Pacific coast. And it came out in Washington someplace. And uh, it made sense when he described this, that they, that they actually had this Navy base in the middle of uh, Nevada. But um, it, it's possible because they talked about these underground machines 
And, you know, we, we knew that because of nuclear weapons starting in the 1950s, uh, everything was being built underground. So I would not be at all surprised. I, I'm not surprised about anything. Even disclosure. I used to always say disclosure would never going to happen. And now people, I say, you know, is there ever going to be like a sort of a disclosure where it all falls apart? And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened tomorrow because I was so dead wrong on the, on the first time of saying that it would never happen. I never believed there would be there would be disclosure. And then the government uh, basically made this admission, but it was people inside the government who are upset, like Elizondo and people like that, who were retired, who were able to talk. And uh, they have forced it out. And I applaud them for what they've done, except that this is all going into a black hole. You're not going to learn anything from what they're doing. You're going to get numbers of how many reports they have and how many are unidentified. But this is all going into a black hole. It's all going into the black world. And they're never going to tell you what's going on as far as I'm concerned in terms of uh, how this thing flies because they don't understand and they don't want to tell all the 347 enemies that they have how this thing works. All right. You got a brand new book about to come out and it is called Tuned In, the the paranormal world well, of actually, music. Well, let me correct you. It's actually it's actually an older book that okay. Chris Bledsoe contacted, but but the reason I put it out today, I put out this article today is cuz actually let's see, 2 hours ago, 42 years ago, John Lennon was shot in in uh in um, right. New York City. And he was a big time UFO person. He was, uh, he was probably an experiencer. Uh, he tells the story about seeing the, the UFO and it's in my White House UFO blog. I, I put the article there where you can see the story that I put. And in White House UFO or in the tuned in book, I put the story of John Lennon plus about maybe 30 other top musicians that I believe are experiencers and how uh, I was phoned by Chris Bledsoe in about 2014. And that's when he said to me, he said, Grant, he said, I got a message from the guardians. I've gotten four different alien people through uh, contact. He's t- giving me messages. And his was 2014. He said, the guardians have a message for you. I said, really good. Cool. What's the message? He said, they want you to know the messages of the music. And I said, well, Chris, uh, maybe they're got the wrong grant because, I mean, I'm not into music. I don't listen to music. I have no interest in music. My whole family's musical. I've never played an instrument. I couldn't care less. And he said, well, you should listen to Cashmere by Led Zeppelin. And I said, well, okay, whatever, you know, and he just kept talking. And I said, and then he said, oh, you should, the other one you should listen to is After the Gold Rush by Neil Young. And I went, Neil Young? Neil Young's a part of this thing? And he said, yeah. I said, Neil Young grew up in Winnipeg. Like, Winnipeg's not for, known for nothing except the guess who, and Neil Young grew up in Winnipeg. I said, really? He's involved in this thing? And I started looking, and he'd written after the gold rush, which is about the fact that we're treating the world like a, like a gold mine. When the gold is gone, the silver seeds are going to come, the flying saucers are going to take the chosen ones to another planet. And I was just blown away. So I wrote the book, and I started to realize that there, all these people had downloads, the same as I got the download. McCartney got the song yesterday in a download. He got the song uh, Let It Be from a Dream where his mother comes to him. Uh, his mother's name is Mary. And she said, it'll be okay, let it be, because he's at a very bad time in his life. And that's where the, the, the lyrics come from. When in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me speaking words of wisdom, let it be, let it be. And so I, I wrote this whole book on these experiencers and how many songs came in dreams. I had 150 songs that came in dreams. How many songs that came in instantaneously and within 10 minutes. Uh, American Woman was 
was saw was sung and when they grabbed the tape recorder off the kid who was trying to bootleg this thing they played the tape at the end of the concert and they said where'd this come from nobody remembered playing the song uh writing the song nothing america that's where american woman and they said had made for the kid with the tape recorder uh it it, it would have uh never existed and the john lennon was the big one john lennon uh talks about his experience where him and May Pang are there. They're, they're both naked. They're standing on the deck. And May Pang tells a story where I, I, I was really weird. All the, all the, the apartments across from me, they were all vacant and they were all turned, their lights were turned off. And the people below us, there was this staircase down and they were always on their balcony and we were screaming and yelling and we're taking photographs and, and they never came up to see what was going on. And I said to her, I said, uh, isn't that kind of weird that you sort of thought, well, everybody's gone? And she said, yeah, that was kind of weird. And that's called the Oz effect, where it sort of cuts you off from the rest of the world and, and everybody seems like they're gone. And uh, so they had the, 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 the sighting that John Lennon had. He put it on an album. He's in his, his a song called Strange Days. I never believed there'd be strange days, strange days indeed. That, that song has about a UFO in there. He sees this UFO. And then he has the experience where uh, he tells the story to, according to Yuri Geller, where he's in bed and he wakes up in the middle of the night and there's light coming in front of the, under the door and he thinks there's a fire in the, in the hallway and he tries to wake up Yoko Ono. He can't wake her up, which is very common to the experiencer story. He can't wake her up. He goes to the door and he opens the door and he says, there's these effing bug people with these big eyes that are looking at him and he goes to attack them. And he says, suddenly the next thing he knows, he, he wakes up and it's the morning and he's lying on his bed and Yoko Ono's awake. And then he tells her what happened and he's got this egg in his hand. And he said that he, um, uh, according to Yuri Geller, Yuri Geller said they met for coffee and he gave him the egg and he said, this may be my ticket to another. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a World. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Vacations are supposed to be easy, right? Lots of stress-free time spent on the beach with a drink in hand, making memories that will last a lifetime. So, booking a vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. They offer easily bookable, all-inclusive vacation packages with exclusive non-stop vacation flights to your favorite vacation destinations. Explore deals to AMR Collection Resorts and plan your luxury vacation with ease. It's like turning on easy mode. Get started at applevacations.com. Planet, but I don't want it. You can have it. And Yuri Geller uh, said, I never had it analyzed because I was always afraid it might have been made in Taiwan. And when I asked him about the analysis, he said, I've had it on my person. I've never taken off my person. It's now in his, in his, um, his, um, um, uh, museum in um in tel aviv and i'll tell you the weirdest story uh, uh sid goldberg you know sid goldberg from gaia when he he got the he was interviewing uh him for a three-part series and he said what do you want to ask yuri i said well ask him about the egg ask him about the story about the egg he said okay so he 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 talks to yuri geller yuri geller gives him the egg and he takes this photograph of him holding this sort of a bronze egg holding in his hand and then he sends me the the, the photograph of the egg and i i email him back and i say 
Oh, cool, Yuri. Uh, I say, cool, Sid. Maybe your ticket to another planet. And he said, as that email was coming in, he was sitting with Yuri Geller in a restaurant in Tel Aviv. And he, he says, oh, he's telling me about, he's talking about me. And he says, oh, look at this. Grant's emailing me right now. And he reads this thing. Oh, maybe your ticket to another planet. Ha, ha, ha. And, he, and, then, he's, and then Yuri's pointing. Yuri's pointing up. And he says, he, he listens up and it's Imagine playing on the radio. <laughs> you talk about a weird synchronistic story. So those kind of stories have followed me around that when you hear those things, you go like, I got to be on the right track. So I did the whole book on all the, the weird stories of music and inspirations and guys that would uh, could listen to four uh, concerts at the same time. And they could, they could actually tell you in the, you could stop them at any point. They could tell you exactly where in the concert it was just bizarre stories about music and how music may be vibration and, and how it's used to get the message and the idea that the, the intelligence, whatever it is, may be using me- music to get out the message through vibration, through through uh, messages, and uh, that was the book tuned in. So today was the 42nd anniversary of uh, John Lennon, and and if you read the stories, John Lennon was big time into UFOs, and uh, I tell the whole story in this long article about uh, John Lennon. Well, there you go. There you go, Grant. And, And, you know, there are so many more artists that are out there. My favorite one would be Sammy Hagar. When yeah. he was with Van Halen. That you wanted to interview, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the song Love Walks In, it's all about his yeah. ET contact with a seventh dimensional female who continues yeah. to take him. Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins is very open about his ET contact. We're starting yeah. to see a lot more of this coming out from artists and from uh, you know different perspectives, even actors and actresses in Hollywood that are coming out. I mean, whether you loved it or hated it, Demi Lovato was, was a very popular yeah. uh, person to come out uh, regarding UFOs and, and her own but, yeah. experiences. So we're starting to see this come out more comfortably, but a lot of these people are still hiding behind their own words. Do we see a time yeah. where we may see more artists come out about their own personal experiences? Well, I think the artists are ahead of the game because artists are all right brain creative people. Most people don't realize that ma- the vast majority of major musicians can't read or write music because write- reading and writing music is left brain. They're all right brain. That's what uh, Roger Lear said when he was asked about the 17 alien implants that he took out in, in Los Angeles. He said, what's common between all experiencers? And he said, they're, uh, uh, all these people that had the implants, he said, they're all right brain creative people and, they, and there's tons of them in Hollywood. And that's this idea that musicians are le- are very right brain. They can't read music, and they don't they don't care. The, the left brain is ego. It's all about me and about how I look and stuff like. That. And most musicians and artists they could care less. And and one thing has really changed. I think that has changed everything. And that is the New York Times article of the 2017 that changed everything now you can talk about it in the halls of the pentagon you can talk about it in the military and the government that has changed everything it was like a complete turnaround and everything is is moving and it's a matter of not just letting this this threat narrative uh just turn it into another uh enemy that we have to finance and we got to try to shoot down because it is reflective and unless you're you've got your insurance paid up and uh this kind of stuff and your will is done be careful what you do because it's very reflective and they have all the cards. It's like uh, Einstein supposedly talked to Truman when they had the shoot down order in 1952 and, and, uh, and the, the top uh, 
radio guy of the 1950s told the story. He said, I know what Albert Einstein said to the president. He said, Mr. President, anybody who can come across millions of miles of space will know how to take care of themselves once they get here. Don't start something you can't finish. And he said that was the first time give him hell to Harry, decided it better not to give him any hell because he was had the shoot down order of shooting these UFOs down. Be careful what you wish for. These guys have all the cards. Grant Cameron, it is that time of the night where we have to say good night to you. But I want to say a big thank you for you coming on Spaced Out Radio once again for the final time probably of 2022. And, you know, I look forward to getting a hold of you in the new year early on to see what, what's going to be planned. Maybe we'll actually have a UFO report to talk about by then, but who who actually well, knows? Yeah. We, we've we've got the 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 reporter. We got to get the reporter on. He agreed to come on with us, and he did the big report in Canada, and that's uh, major media. And I think we should uh, have a show with him. Well, I'll try and line that up with Daniel Otis, Grant Cameron, everybody. His YouTube channel, Grant Cameron. Go make sure you hit subscribe on his channel or Nicole Sackages. Great researchers right there. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then Super Duke's in for the Cryptid Report, a busy hour number three. Coming right at you. Stick around. Have a good day. We are clear, my friend. We are okay. clear. You have a good. You have a good night, and we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, I'll call you before Christmas to, to uh, chat okay. with you. But uh, many thanks. And Nicole, get to bed. You got to get your kid up in the morning. Nicole, get to bed. Yeah, exactly. Bad, <laughs> okay. Good night. Good night, Grant. Take care. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to take a quick break here. Uh, I will be right back, guys.
Sorry about that, people. It's going to be a good one. Thank you for sticking around. Hope you had a good night. Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that just awesome? What a great night of radio. We got one minute left. Third phase, how you doing? Heather McIntyre, good to see you. Phenomenal Bills, welcome to SOR Chat. And who else is here tonight? Uh, Mentira Mentira, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Sarah Yan, how are you? And let's see, who else am I missing here? I hope nobody. Russell Boyd, welcome to SOR Chat. Lots of new people here. Peppa H., nice to see you again. And we're going to get going here in 20 seconds. Thank you for the super chats. Jeff, Sally, Jeremy, Chris, D. Cohen, Lori, Red Panda, Carl, Pam, and Dry Toast. Very much appreciate it. And uh, here comes our number three, everyone. Stay tuned. Hi, Len Dorman. How you doing? Dirt Road, good to see you. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor third and final hour of spaced out radio is now underway thank you so much for joining us my name is dave scott very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call earth hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Echidisis. Echidisis is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you 
Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller brings us another spooky story. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. At the time, I was a 20-year-old female who had just moved to a small upstate town. I had grown up in a slightly larger town about 60 miles away and just wanted a new start. I love camping and often go camping in the Adirondacks, but at the time, I hadn't yet made friends to go camping with, so I wasn't going to go into the real woods alone, if you know what I mean. Down the road from me, I had been walking around and found an area where the power lines cut through a wooded section. The power lines were perpendicular to the road. It was near a house, but far enough to the right to the place where I don't think anybody would see me if they were walking the trail that the power lines made. I'm not sure about other countries, but in the United States, they keep power lines clear in case of maintenance. So I wander up there, noticing how it's pretty deep woods, and how far I can get away from the house that I saw on the road, they couldn't possibly think I'm trying to break in. And then, bing, I get an idea. I could go camping up here. It's secluded enough to give the natural woods experience but close enough to the road that I wouldn't be in danger of wildlife or anything like that. So, I do. I set up camp in this little clearing that I accessed by climbing the hill, following the power lines, then turned left onto what seemed to be some sort of deer trail. Deer are absolutely everywhere in New York. Then I came upon this lovely flat grassy clearing. After clearing the dead wood away, I built my fire off to the side. I'm feeling brilliant and independent. It was creepy to sleep in the woods alone, sure, as I had always had at least one camping companion. But hey, whatever. New experiences build new skills, you know? I wandered further down the path the next day to see where it led. I walked for about an hour, and I can see some fields on the right, but they are in the distance, and there is a fence between the fields and the path. So again, I figure people can't be mad for me being here. Then I come across another path. Heading to the right, I follow it. A couple of feet in, it curves slightly and there's an old van to the left of the path. Well, that's strange. But it's about 1pm near noon anyway, in broad daylight and the birds are chirping. So I don't really feel in danger. I go up to the van which had been there for a very long time, clearly. It was like a 70s style make, it made me kind of think of Scooby-Doo. And there were overgrown weeds all around it. There are streaks of brownish red going down the side from the bottom of the doors. I looked in and saw what appeared to be an old bedding or something in the back, but it was all shredded up and the curtains in the windows were shredded as well. There was clothing strewn about. It looked like the clothing was from the 70s or early 80s. I still felt no danger per se. Snickering at the terrible fashions back in the day, I continued along the path for a short time until I finished rounding another slight bend. I stopped dead in my tracks, finally. My reptile sense went off, or whatever you call it. I wake the hell up, and it, it, I'm just, my head is screaming at a total volume that I've never heard before. Up ahead, there is this creepy-ass doll hanging from the tree, by its neck, with a noose. Not just stuck in the trees, but just left there as it was hanging. It was terrifying, to say the least. 
To the right of it though, there was this huge cage-like structure, easily big enough to hold a full-sized human. It seems to be made up of pipes and other long metal objects, just welded together. Some were up, some were down, some were across, and the squares they made weren't big enough to fit my head through, let alone anything else. Not that I tried, anyway. It had four sides and a ceiling. It had other creepy-ass dolls hanging from it. It also had reddish-brown stains running down the sides, just like the van. Further behind it in the distance was a run-down house. Creeped out as hell, I just turned tail and ran. I am not a runner by any means. I am a chunky girl, and I have smoked for more than six years, and I do not run. But I ran that day. I don't even remember the run, and I remember coming up upon my campsite, grabbing my tent in one swoop as I ran past. Luckily, I had put all my things into the tent. Ripping it out of the ground as I continued running, I left my cooler, my food, and all that stuff behind. I never went back for it either, and sometimes I kind of feel bad about that though. I dropped the tent stakes along the way and had to repair rips in my tent. I tore down that hill. I'm still surprised it didn't break my neck or ankle. Jumped in my car and sped home. I locked all my doors, then paced my house going, what the hell, what the hell, what the hell, for hours. It's been 11 years since that incident, and even typing it now makes my hands shake. I currently live almost 1,400 miles away, but I still made sure my doors were locked, and they are. The crazy thing is, is I wasn't even that deep in the woods. Maybe in the 1970s it would have been, who knows. As it stands now though, people live within a short walk of this place. And no, I know you will ask, I did not call the cops. I can't articulate why. My best analysis looking back is that I didn't want the creep to find me. I should have probably called them at the very least. You are probably right there. I hope it was an old crime scene and not some sick man who still keeps people in cages in the woods. And we say thank you to the Swamp Dweller for coming on in and taking us through another spooky story. Swamp Dweller joins us in the third hour every show Monday through Friday night. And if you want more, he has thousands of those stories for free. All you got to do is go to youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads and check them out for yourselves. Speaking of creepy, it is time once again where we head into the forest. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio and the Cryptid Report. Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio. You had to skip the other night because you're ill and you're still kind of sharing the war wounds of this sickness that's going around North America. But we're glad you're a trooper and coming on in for us till the bottom of the hour, my friend. Oh, ho, ho, and merry upcoming Christmas. Yeah, I've been feeling like pretty lousy. And uh, I did come across something interesting that wanted to share with you guys, and this is from the uh, very uh, extensive book, Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters, by Kathy Muscovitz-Strain, and uh, she has a BA in anthropology, and how she got involved in all this is she's going around working with uh, native tribes, identifying areas where they had um, ancient relics, uh, pictograms and you know petroglyphs and all that sort of thing, and getting the government to set it aside for preservation so it doesn't get destroyed. So in the process of doing all that, and she's also interested in Bigfoot, um, she asked all of them very specific questions. Do you have Bigfoot reports? Does your tribe recognize that such a thing exists? Do they have a name for it? 
uh, you know, what did they say about it? So this is uh, her. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 64% of Americans can't cover a surprise $400 emergency cost. If you're looking for a way to save and invest, all you need is Acorns and your spare change. On average, Acorns users invest $160 in four months from just their spare change. Plans start at $3 a month with no hidden fees ever. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com audio. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Investment advisory services offered by Acorns Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Survey of those questions, basically, across North America, and very comprehensive. And it's interesting that almost every native tribe on the continent has a name for Bigfoot. Some of them have several names for these things. And uh, she actually mentions this at the beginning of the section that we're going to be talking about today which is on the Miwok tribe of Central California, and that uh, they, the Miwok are unique in that they have nine different names for Bigfoot-like creatures depending on locations of the animal and behavioral characteristics. Names include Awani, which is a giant, Chihalumshe, rock giant of Calveras County, Uli, rock giant of the Chowchilla foothills, Uwalin, rock giant, Sachacha, ogre, Yalali, hairy giant, Yayali, hairy giant, Lalumi, rock giant of Winnock Valley, and Lupuayas, rock giant of Tamalpai. So you keep hearing this rock giant thing, and you're like, wait a minute, what do you mean rock giant? This is central California. Where else do we hear about rock giants? Well, that's the description, the stone coats, the stone giants of the Iroquois. So we're talking about a confederation of tribes that's on the exact other side of the continent, up in the northeastern side of the continent. And here you have this tribe down in central California talking about rock giants. So wait a minute. (laughs) How did rock giants get over there? Is this the same kind of rock giant? Because we know from the legends of the Genosqua that the reason that they had stone coats isn't because they were making coats out of stone. It's because they would uh, rub around in pine pitch and... Uh, tar on trees and whatnot and get it all mixed in with their hair and then they'd go roll in a whole bunch of gravel and it would adhere to it and after several uh, such uh, things being gone through they would have applique armor essentially which uh, against a, a native with armed with a bow or a spear that's tipped with either bone or stone it isn't going to do anything. It'll just break. It'll bounce off. doesn't do anything to them. So they had this bulletproofness until the white man showed up with their uh, thunder sticks. And then they seem to have quit doing this. But uh, so let's check out a couple of the reports that they have here. And one of them is from uh, a book called The Dawn of the World, Myths and Tales of the Miwok Indians of California by C. Hart Merriam, 1910. Lincoln University of Nebraska Press, pages 169 to 72. Quote, there was a great giant who lived in the north. His name was Uwalin, and he was as big as a pine tree. 
when he saw the country full of people, he said, they look good to eat. And he came and carried them off and ate them. He could catch 10 men at a time and hold them between his fingers and put more in a net on his back and carry them off. He would visit a village and after eating all the people would move on to another, going southward from his home to the north. When he had gone to the south end of the world and had visited all the villages and eaten nearly all the people, well, not quite all, for a few had escaped, he crossed and they give this location of this certain place where you can apparently still see his footprints to this day. People who had escaped found his sleeping places in caves and shot their arrows at him, but they were not able to hurt him, for he was a rock giant. When he awoke, he was hungry and took the trail to go hunting. Then the people said, Uchum, the fly, go follow Uwilin, and when he is hot, bite him all over. Bite his head, his eyes and ears, all over his body, everywhere, all the way down to the bottom of his feet. Find out where he can be hurt. All right, said the ever-obliging fly, and did as he was told. He followed him around all day long and bit him everywhere from the top of his head all the way down to his feet, about hurting him, till finally he bit him under the heel. This made the giant kick. The fly waited, and when the giant had fallen asleep, bit him under the heel of the other foot, and he kicked again. So the fly came back and very politely told the people what he found out. When the people heard this, they took sharp sticks and long, sharp splinters of stone and set them up firmly in the trail and hid nearby and watched. And after a while, the giant came back and stepped on these sharp points till the bottoms of his feet were stuck full of them. This hurt him dreadfully, and he fell down and died. Now, wow. when the people saw that he was dead, they asked, what should we do with him? And the answer was to burn him up completely so there was no remains because they feared that he would be able to regenerate and come back if they left any part of him. Now, this is interesting because where else have we heard this uh, application of this ta- tactic? Mm, Vietnam, punji sticks, pit traps. And it makes you wonder if the same thing was used by the Iroquois in fighting the stone giants because they're otherwise impervious to attack if they had also figured out that if you made pit traps with sticks, <laughs> they ain't going to go very much further when they got big stakes through the bottom of their feet. I love it, Duke. I love it. Okay, here we got another one. Um, this is kind of interesting because it talks about one of the, the Miwoks' um, taboos. And again, the same book is the source of this one. The North Miwoks say... Chihalumche, the rock giant, carries on his back a big burden basket, which, like himself, is rock. He lives in caves, of which there are two near Mountain Ranch or El Dorado and Calaveras County, one at Murphy's and one at Stanislaus River. He comes out only at night and wanders about seeking Miwok people to eat. He prefers women, of those he catches and carries off, all he can find. Sometimes he makes a crying nose, a noise, hoo, 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 like a baby, to lure them. If they come, he seizes them and tosses them into his big pack basket and carries them to his cave where he eats them. In the bottom of the basket is a long spike which pierces their bodies when they're thrown in so they cannot crawl out and escape. In his caves are the remains of his victims, horns of deer and bones of people and different kinds of animals. So for this reason, Indians never throw their dead into caves. If they did, this giant would get them. So any man who put a dead person in a cave would be killed by other Indians. Now compare this to the report of the uh, giant of Kandahar. And the first thing they came upon when they came to the entrance of the cave was bones strewn all over the place. And the other thing that this reminds me of is the same legends about the uh, basket woman further up the coast. And then if you go all the way up into Alaska, the cannibal ogress of the tundra, the Amadalik, and they're both said to have baskets on their back. They would throw their victims in them and haul them back off to where they're, 
wherever it was that they were going um, for later on chowing. Just digging on in, eh? Just digging on in, feasting on anything that they want. Not friendly critters and apparently preferred eating humans. And this is some of the same reason why there was the big war between the uh, uh, the Paiutes and the giants over there at Lovelock Cave because they tried to make peace with them and get them to quit eating them, but they wouldn't hear of it, you know, like, oh, humans are yummy, we're just going to keep eating you guys. So they were basically forced to go to war with them and kill them off. Oh, pleasant. Um, well, you know, that's that's what happened with Lovelock Cave. That was the last of them. According to their story, there was like around 3,000 of them when they started warring with them, and they wiped out most of them in short order. The few remainders had made their themselves a little floating island, and they were out on the middle of this big lake in it. So they couldn't really get to them, but the natives kept an eye on where this was. And at some point, it kind of disappeared from view, so they got suspicious, and they had their braves go all the way around the shore, and they found out they had come out on the far side of the shoreline, and there was a cave there, and the remainder were hiding in that cave. That was Lovelock Cave. So, as you know, what happened in Lovelock Cave, they gave them one more ultimatum, knock it off, quit eating us. If you don't, we're going to have to kill you. And they said, nope, humans are yummy. We're going to keep eating you. So they piled up all kinds of firewood at the entrance to Lovelock Cave, set it on fire, and killed all of them. Oh, nice. Hey, these sound like the same type of creatures that could be running around the forests of the Nahani Valley in the Northwest Territories. Uh, would not surprise me. Um, one of the things that I talked about when I had uh, Caveman on my show and we were talking about War on the Giants is that according to the Navajo legend, they were one of the tribes and the main one that chased the giants off the continent. They chased them north into Alaska and then across either the pack ice or if there was a land bridge at that point, the land bridge. And it even says in their legends that they lost track of part of them who broke away from the rest and went back east again. And they just left them. Who cares? Wasn't that many of them. Well, if you go east from there, where do you end up? Nahani Valley. Of course. Always comes down to the Nahani Valley. Always does. Yep. Very creepy place. I had an insider tell me that there's a deep underground military base underneath it, too, so as if it wasn't creepy enough already. you got to wonder what else they're doing on up there if they're uh, coming across these creatures, um, collecting samples or whatever. Well, I did have another story in here, but I'm having trouble finding it right now. Well, let me ask you this, Duke, while you're, while you're looking for that. I mean, the majority of people who come across Sasquatch literally come across a creature that is very docile, trying to get out of the way, trying to get out of their view. You know, compare, I I know it's impossible to ask, but the populations of these, these rogue attacking type of Sasquatch beings, are are they more, you know, in certain areas of North America comparatively to their, their other cousins who are more docile? It sure seems like it. First of all, they're bigger, so they're more obvious. Secondly, they're not friendly, so they probably don't even get along with their smaller, more docile cousins, if you want to put it that way. And the third thing is, until I just noticed these reports, I had never, ever seen a report of a stone giant outside of the area of the Iroquois Confederation. So that there was actually reports of these things in central California is pretty surprising. So at least, you know, apparently some of them wandered that far now what is a genosqua exactly well i don't think it's it's either i don't think it's really a bigfoot 
I don't think it's really a giant. I think it's a hybrid of both of them. So they look kind of like a Bigfoot. They have hair, but they're taller, and they have the bad habits of their other uh, progenitor, which is to say eating other beings uh, like humans, which Bigfoot don't do. And, uh, you know, six fingers, six toes, double rose teeth. That also comes in there too. So, uh, and yeah, it really makes you wonder what's going on there. But like I said, there, the, uh, the range is so limited. It's upper, upper Northeast part of the country. You don't hear reports of them from pretty much anywhere else. I heard one report outside of that area and that was from down in the South last year. But, you know, other than that, and they don't, they're, you know, the person decided it wasn't sure what they were seeing. It looked like a Bigfoot, but it was just really extremely big. So hard to know what that was. But anyway, I found the other interesting report here, and that was the uh, uh, yes, rock giant of uh, Tamalpa. Uh, a woman had a husband and two boy babies, twins. The woman's brother killed her husband, and the little boys did not know that they had ever had a father. Oh, wait, am I on the right, right one here? Yes. Um, anyway, they went out to this place all the time that was like a big rock, and they didn't even realize it, but this is the same place their father used to hang around, and this rock giant was in this area and was watching them all the time. And finally, one day when they were there, um, he woke up and, and uh, trying to make a long story short here, tried to catch the boys to kill him. And then he said he was all rock except a place on his throat where he wore an abalone shell. The boys saw this and shot their arrows through it and killed him. When he died, he fell to pieces. The pieces were rocks and scattered all over the ground. Inside, the children found he was flesh like other people, but outside he was rock, except the place on his throat where he had used the abalone shell. So again, this sounds like exactly the same creature. It totally does. Totally does. Super Duke, we got about 40 seconds left with you tonight. I want to say a big thank you for coming on in and giving us another stellar cryptid report. One of these days, man, one of these days, you know, we're going to run into some of these creatures and we're going to have to hindtail it as quickly as possible to get the hell out of the forest. Believe you me on that one, man. Now, I, I film quite regularly. I'm too dumb to run away. In the last video I got him, I was walking right toward one, not realizing it. Blaine Tyler pointed that one out. Hey, Duke, there's one right across the road that you're walking toward. I'm like, no, oh, thank you. So anyway, if you guys want to see part of the breakdown on that video clip, I will be showing it on YouTube for the first time uh, as a Saturday night special at 8.30 Central on Saturday on my channel. And then on Sunday, of course, the regular show with Dark, Dark Woods from Wisconsin is going to be the guest. Always appreciate you, Super Duke, from World Bigfoot Radio. Very much appreciate you coming on in. Coming up next, get off my lawn, people. It's the Dave 101. Maybe a new perspective on something. We'll be back right after this. All right, Super Duke. You made it through, buddy. You made it through. I am so freaking tired. <laughs> I know. I hope I, I hope I came across as somewhat energetic because I'm totally not. I just want to fall over again. Well, you, you go uh, put on your Sasquatch jammies and uh, you go crawl into bed. Yeah, I'm going to go grab my Bigfoot pillow and, and go.
snoozy snoozy i literally have a bigfoot pillow somebody made one nice <laughs> it's shaped like a giant foot and it's got hair on one side and it's nice. soft and comfy on the other <laughs> my daytime audience uh, my daytime job i had clients the other day surprise me with a his and hers sasquatch keychain of a little nice. stuffy sasquatch like this it was awesome it was awesome <laughs> totally sweet so anyway, yeah, you know, if you guys want to see some dog, a dog man on video, uh, Saturday night special on my channel, very creepy. He was about 20 feet away from me and I'm walking past filming the ditch and he's right there watching me walk past. And then when I looked at it closer, there's two more Bigfoot behind him. So <laughs> Kelly shop from Rocky Mountain Sasquatch noticed that on the video today and immediately put it up on his blog site. Duke gets two Sasquatch on video. Kelly, that's a dogman video. Yeah, but there's Sasquatch in the background. <laughs> like, what, what the hell, man? <laughs> Say hi to Kelly Shaw for me, man. I haven't had him I on will. the show in years. I got to get him he back on. He doesn't do shows, Dave. It's amazing you managed to get him on. I've been friends with him for years, and it took me three years of badgering him to cut him on my, on my, my show one time. So don't feel bad. I got to get him. I got to get him. Now that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Oh, he's awesome. He's awesome. He I'm going to have him back guy. again this, this year because he is, you know, he is one of the best out there. He's <laughs> and and he knows a lot of the stuff that he's getting on video of Sasquatch. He just won't say that. Oh, I know. I know. All right, buddy. I'm just the opposite. I'm like, yeah, it's a Sasquatch. If you don't like it, tough. Go to hell. Go to hell. Get off my lawn. Get out of my Get forest. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn, you damn trolls. Get Quit out of my forest. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. I'll see you next uh, Tuesday, which what day is that? 13th? That'll be the th well, uh, 8th today it's plus 7, 15th. No, you're, you're back on Tuesday. Yeah, the 13th. We'll see you That's then. That's my birthday. See you for my birthday. All right, buddy. Talk then. Bye. Bye-bye. Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio, everyone. We love it. Love it. Uh, the Michael Leger. You spoil me. The Michael Leger made, hold on, this gnome right here. That's all one piece. He carved it out. And I, I love this gnome. This is one of my favorite gifts I've ever got from a listener. I mean, the way he carved it out by hand. I mean, just absolutely incredible. It's even holding a microphone. And uh, it's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. So, yeah, let's everybody remind me when Super Duke comes on next Tuesday. We're going to sing him happy birthday. And all of you will have to join along. We'll have to do that. I'm having a good time tonight. Thank you so much for making this a special show, everyone. We've got about 90 seconds. 90 seconds. Big thank you tonight to Dry Toast, Pam, Human Carl, Red Panda, Lori, D. Cohen, Chris, Jeremy, Sally, and Jeff for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate the love and support. 
that you give us. Thank you to all of our new subscribers. We hit 20,000 last night. And as of this moment, we're at 20,078. So 78 new subscribers since last night's show. Thank you so much as we could continue to grow this. And uh, we very much appreciate it. Uh, it, it, It's just jaw-dropping. It really is. I'm very humbled by it all. So thank you so much. And from our entire team to you guys, we very much appreciate it. Very, very much appreciate it. And don't forget, we'd love to see you all at our 2023 second annual Las Vegas fan party at the Golden Nugget Casino, May 19th through 21st. We're going to have a bunch of stuff uh, planned for that weekend for all of you, including a six to seven hour YouTube show that you could sit in live. Hi, Ed Parnell. And we want to see all of you guys there. And, uh, you know, we've got a number of people already saying they're coming. Uh, about 43. We'd love to see around 80 to 100. And here we go, everyone. We rounded third. We're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Give Shirky Poo a news. Uh, well, check out our news wire. And we've got great swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram, Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where I'm going to yell at all of you and tell you to get off my lawn. I'm cranky. I've got my eyebrows cocked down because it's Dave 101 time. that time once again where you know i'm gonna let you guys in on some mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 64% of Americans can't cover a surprise $400 emergency cost. If you're looking for a way to save and invest, all you need is Acorns and your spare change. On average, Acorns users invest $160 in four months from just their spare change. Plans start at $3 a month with no hidden fees ever. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com audio.
Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. Investment advisory services offered by Acorns Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Secrets. I'm going to let you in on something that I absolutely hate about ufology, the paranormal, and the cryptid world. And it's all this mind-numbing, nitpicking anger that people have while out in the field. Or, more importantly... On social media. For some reason, nitpicking, bullying, and, you know, these aha gotcha moments really, really spur people on to try and bring others down. And really, it's not necessary. You have the show me the proof crowd, where no matter if you show them the proof, it's never going to be good enough because they didn't take the photo. They didn't take the video. They weren't there when the situation happened. And, you know, what's happened here in these three fields is we all want to call people liars. We all want to call people BSers looking for their 15 minutes of fame. Yet, we don't want to look at the realities of the way things are going, whether people are having ET contact whether they're summoning UFOs, whether they have Bigfoot in their backyard, they're having dinner with ghosts, playing fetch with Dogman, whatever it may be. No, for some reason, people always got to have that aha, gotcha moment in this field. And I'll be honest with you, I'm getting sick of it. So recently, I had someone who's been a very big critic of this show the last couple of years, start trying to bully me about a thumbnail. Yes, a thumbnail. Not our programming. No, not our hard work that we do here seven days a week. No, a thumbnail. This person went as far as to come into our chat room and start trying to hammer questions. Then puts out a blog stating all of these facts that really aren't facts. You know, normally I ignore little hit and runs like this. But this one really, really graded me. It got under my nerves. Because I try and play a very fair game around here as do many other people who I know who take a lot of criticism. There's too much BSing, there's too much outlandish stories, and we all get caught up in it. And sometimes as a show host, well, actually, I'm going to say 95% of the time as a show host, you have to bite your tongue with the criticism that comes your way. Because you're not going to make everybody happy, whether it's your content, whether it's the sound of your voice, whether it's the guests you bring on, whether it's too much woo, not enough woo, too much science, not enough science, too much information, or no information at all. No, no, you'll never satisfy anything, or anybody, or everyone. But as a show host... You really have to bite your tongue because when you put yourself on the public stage, like many of us do, you have to have a little bit of a backbone when it comes 
to criticism. I've taken criticism over guests. Why do you have our Keith Andrews on the first Friday of every month? Well, he's entertaining. Our job in terrestrial radio is entertainment. We bring you entertainment of stories. We bring you entertainment on information like we did tonight with Grant Cameron. We bring you information on people's experiences and the knowledge that they've seeked or sought out or researched themselves. Now, not everybody is going to agree with that, and that's okay. That's okay. But every now and again, you get irked, and something has to be said. The one thing I don't like is being called somebody who only tells a half-truth, and they make it look like you're the liar. No, I don't like that. So sometimes you have to do a little bit of intuitive and creative writing and provide facts, which is what I did to this person who was trying to make me look bad on the Internet. You can sit here and criticize every part of who we talk to or the subjects that we deal with. We're here because... We love these topics, whether we've had experiences and encounters of our own or whether we just want to know because we are hopeful that there is something else out there besides the everyday norm. I got one of the greatest jobs in the world talking to all of you about these subjects. It's fun. I look forward to coming on the microphone each and every night. Doesn't matter whether I've had a bad day or I've had a bad night. Coming here makes me feel good. Talking to you about UFOs, ghosts, near-death experiences, consciousness, a little zen and chi sprinkled over the cryptid salad. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Yet we want to tear people down in this field. We want to hammer them with our own opinions that we use as fact. And like I said, this show and many of my friends who have shows, we've discussed this. We've discussed the idea about what's going on. And we laugh about it. We do because there's nothing we can do. If you give oxygen to the fire, the fire grows. If you ignore it, they continue to bully. They continue to do their little thing that they need to do. Now, how do you cure that in this field? Because nobody's ever happy. Nobody's happy about the government taking over the UFO world. Nobody's happy about disclosure. Nobody is happy about... The cryptids, are they, are they, you know, the big debate? Are they flesh and blood or are they something a little bit more special? And we argue and we try and bring facts to what is going on. Our job with this show is to bring you the stories. We want you to leave this show each and every night knowing that you had a good time 
or maybe you listened to something that caught your attention. Whether you're a first-time listener or an 800th time listener, because we have that many shows that we can actually say that. Okay, it doesn't matter. Our job is to present the arguments. It's your job to choose whether or not you believe it. Look, there are some things that come on this show that I don't believe. There are topics on this show that I will not bring up. I don't bring up a lot of conspiracy theory because there's a lot more conjecture than fact when it comes to that. And it can be dangerous. I don't bring up anything involving children unless it has to do with the fact of their experiences with one of the many topics that we talk about. We don't bring up certain topics because, well, it's just not necessary. There's not enough proof. But we have fun. We enjoy doing what we do. And and to the critics that are out there, I will say this. Our numbers keep growing. Our numbers keep going up. So you can hate all you want of what we're doing. You can say you don't provide any proof. You don't provide any journalism. You don't provide any sort of argumentative counter to the stories. You just let the story slide. It's not my job. My job as a journalist because I'm old school that way, is to allow you to form your own opinion. You're allowed. You're allowed to believe our guests. You're allowed to think they are full of crud. But in the end, are you enjoying it? What's wrong with just sitting back and enjoying the woo and having fun? Do we not have enough seriousness in this world that we can't take a break for three hours a night to relax, chill, and just enjoy the night? Can we not do that? Is that illegal under the realm of the paranormal and supernatural? Apparently so for some. There is no proof of anything because we cannot even define what proof is. Okay? And the one thing I could tell you, I love what I do. I love bringing these stories to you. And that's going to continue. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
critics be damned, you got to have a thick skin around it. But every now and again, you have to fire back too, especially when they are fighting personality and personal opinion with fact. Okay? So, you can sit there and attack me. You can sit there and call me names. You can call our audience a bunch of whatever you want. Believers, idiots, whatever you want. That's okay. Because the audience is here because they have an interest or they've had an experience. They're just trying to figure out what happened to them. Much like I am trying to figure out what's happened to me. You don't have to like it, but that's why we're here. And you know what? We do a great job for my booking team of cat and filth. Okay? We do a great job at mixing things up. We don't want to do the same story night after night after night. We don't want to do that. We want to bring you personal stories mixed in with a Grant Cameron, mixed in with some paranormal, mixed in with some Geraldina Roscoe that talks about our Zen and our Chi, okay? Because that's what makes it fun. This is not strictly about, we're going to hammer this UFO topic and Lou Elizondo's a jerk and Chris Mellon wears cheap ties. That's not what this is about. There's enough of those out there. If you want those antics, you can go find them. But there's too much hate in there, in this field. Now, I can tell you point blank, there are people in this field I don't like. I keep that behind the scenes for the most part. But at some point, the majority, which is you who listens to shows like this, You'll, you'll figure out who they are. You'll figure out who the cranky curmudgeons are in this field who don't want you to have fun, who don't want you to hear about people's experiences because it's all anecdotal. In the meantime, just pull your big boy pants up or your big girl pants up and enjoy the woo. It's what we all love to have happen. And I know that I'm still going to be here. I know our numbers are going to keep going up. I know we're going to get more radio stations. I know that we're going to have one hell of a successful Las Vegas fan party, May 19th through 21st, 2023 at the Golden Nugget. And I know that I look forward to meeting each and every one of you, whether you're in Arizona, whether you're in Mississauga, whether you're in California, Washington, Georgia, New Orleans, or anywhere around the world. Old Davey's going to be there to shake your hand and say, Hey, I'm thankful for you guys uh, tuning us on in. And let's continue to have some fun. Let's continue to have some love. And let's continue to enjoy the experiences we hear from regular people just like you and just like me. Because... If we don't have those experiences, we have nothing to talk about, people. We have nothing to talk about. 
And for those sticks in the mud who just want to be a pain in the ass to many of us out there who work hard to bring these stories and the information to you, find another hobby. All right? Go critique something else. Okay? Go knit a sweater. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Go check out the latest set of paints at the paint store because maybe you need a new color beige. I'm all for it. I'm all for standing up for people like you, people like me. There's no need for ridicule. There's room in this pool for all of us. And we need to really, really take a look at ourselves in the mirror. Some of the researchers, that is, or so-called researchers or historians. And really take a deep look and say, is this worth it? Because the ad hominem attacks don't work. They don't work. It's about pleasing the people who tune in each and every night. Because our show, whether it's on terrestrial radio, whether it's on podcasts and one of our many podcast formats like Spotify or iHeartRadio or iTunes or wherever, or whether it's our YouTube channel, which is growing by the day. We're here to make sure that you have quality programming, quality people talking on the show, quality guests, quality information that maybe, just maybe, we can have some fun and we can all learn all together. There's no need for these angry bloggers who are just putting out political spew for no reason. We just need to wake up to the fact that they are not necessary. Their opinions are not worthy of all of you and your attention. Good people listen to this show, whether they're lawyers, whether they're contractors, plumbers, Servers, sports athletes, movie stars, you name it. They all listen. And they all have experiences. One way or another. And you know what? That's okay. Because we are all part of an exclusive club of the woo. Yeah. We've all had experiences one way or another that we cannot explain. Whether we want to... Admit it or not, that's really up to you. Otherwise, make sure you don't spill the beige paint on your beige khaki pants and try and ruin the Christmas parties for everybody else out there. It's not fair. It's not right. And it's not necessary. Nobody needs it. Nobody wants it. And you can call me a bully, you can call me a threat, you can call me anything that you want. All right? I'm a big boy. Meet me on the ice. There's your challenge. Meet me on the ice. And we'll see. We'll see how it happens. But until then, allow people to come up with their own thoughts, with their own answers. Because you don't have the answers I don't have the answers, but at least we're doing something about it to help bring those answers forward one tiny footstep at a time. 
That is your Dave 101. And if you have an opinion of that, you can write it on down on our YouTube channel. We want to hear it. We want to read it. And if you want to share it, you go right ahead. You can do whatever you want. It's all about joining the Club of the Woo. And I want to say a big thank you tonight to Super Duke from World Bigfoot Radio for coming on in, putting on the big boy pants while he is sick to give us the cryptid report. Our main man, Swamp Dweller, for coming on in and providing us another spooky story for the swamp. And, of course, the legendary Grant Cameron coming in talking about how UFOs are not a threat unless you're in the United States and you need some money for that budget. Controversial? Of course. But it's a topic that we do need to discuss. And Grant did a phenomenal job once again. So thank you so much for tuning us in. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up. For the guitar god himself, special thanks to everybody listening in at home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight on Spreaker, YouTube, LGAP, Facebook, uh, Twitch, StreamYard, Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we own the night. Mr. Bumblefoot, we need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, guess what? We've got room for them, too. Good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.